Thanks, Triathlon, for making all of our mornings so pleasant. I had no problem getting in. Well, you got in at 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, about <laughs> 4 o'clock this morning. But uh, Nobody's triathloning <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the morning. No, they're not. All of the rest of us normal people. <laughs> and what's this private service that you're giving Andy of giving him, like, specific directions on how to... Andy said, oh, yeah, Shwani gave me directions on... I didn't give him directions. She just alerted just me to the text that the drive was, the drive was closed. closed. What, the alert? what does yeah. that mean, he gave me an alert? Texted me. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Producer Jack, did you get a text from uh, Shwani? No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> it was a surprise. <laughs> Neither did I. Neither did I. Okay, I can see where this is going this morning. Oh, thanks, Shwani. You're quite welcome. <laughs> I guess I could have been listening also. But. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, why would you do that? Come on. I was listening to my meditation tapes. <laughs> you have an incense burning in the car when, you, when you're driving patchouli. in. I'd like to burn patchouli in the car. You'd like what? I like to You'd like to what? I like to burn patchouli in the car. Oh. Do you know what that is? No. Patchouli is like an old school hippie incense. Oh, okay. I just never heard the term. You patchouli? Know, we just called it incense. That's all we called it. You have a black light in the car, too? I do. And black light. <laughs> and a lava lamp, yeah. Black light posters and, and a lava and lamp. And the, pa- the posters. Yeah, but don't try to get me off the subject here. I'd like to know why uh, Jack and I... Uh, did not get personalized instructions sorry. from Schwani GPS, apparently. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, here's the deal. Sarah at the switchboard was able to make contact with Andy. It's our first Andy Griffith reference. And she just wasn't you've got able your to Sunday get morning, through. You've got your Sunday morning bingo cards. There would be your first. <laughs> Who had 909 in the pool? <laughs> she, and she just wasn't able to get through to you. I yeah, I must apologize. <sighs> I had no problem. She just got a new switchboard, you know? You know, Jack, who is the, uh, you know, is like the sanest one of all of us that work here <laughs> on the show. I come in and Jack's angry. Yeah. Producer Jack, he's never angry. No, very he was even angry. Kind of takes the fun out of my job of making him angry during the show. <laughs> I think when you're he, rubbing off on me. When he goes, <laughs> I, couldn't be, I couldn't be prouder. I could not be prouder. Uh, way to go, Jack. He was mad when he came in. Did you, well, see, the came by... Did you see the traffic around the building this morning? <laughs> I couldn't get in the building today. Well, you must have gotten in somehow. Well, I got you're in sitting my car. in the other I had room. A, I had to do something with my automobile. Your automobile. I couldn't get, uh, you, you can't get anywhere near this building because they have to do the triathlon. It's the duathlon. I thought, well, now because yeah, they canceled. It's the duathlon. They canceled the uh, swimming portion. Yes. That's the correct terminology. Oh. This was just a practice run for the marathon. Oh. oh, and then we have bike the drive. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's next week, right? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We'd be spending a lot of time at Bradley. I'll Place make this sure. Fall. I'll make sure to text you for next week. In fact, I'll do it this morning. I've already. Blo- I've already blocked you. It's all right. <laughs> Sad about Bob Barker. Passed away yesterday. But how about that? Ninety-nine years old. That's a life, man. That's a life well lived. I think. Longtime host of uh, The Price Is Right. 
my constant companion for every sick day I ever had when I was in school. <laughs> Me too, yeah. <laughs> right? The only time you get to watch him. Now, Shwani, you're old. Oh, uh, um, right. Thank you so much. Do you remember him on Truth or Consequences? Yes, I do. And I also remember, I think it was Bill Cullen who was on Prices Right before he was on mm. as the host. Bill Cullen was one of those legendary yeah. early television uh, game, game show pioneers. Host, sure. Yeah, crew cut glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Cullen. Yeah, he was uh, he was a long time uh, daytime host. He was another one who was uh, was you know kept kept you company when you were home mm-hmm. homesick. That's that's very true. And Johnny Olson was the uh, high pitched, excited off camera announcer for all those shows. Come on down. Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. People would run down. What a, what a concept for a game show. Guess how much stuff costs. Yep. <laughs> we need to come up the with closest, some kind of scam like that. <laughs> the closest person wins. Did you ever have any desire to be on a game show as no. a contestant? No. Other than the grand prize game on Bozo? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's not really a game show, though. I know. That's a but competition. That was just a game, a that's competition. Like a, that's a sports competition. <laughs> Athletic endeavor. Yes. Grand prize game. Yes. Um, no, not really. You didn't? I don't think so. I don't think so. I like The Price is Right. Uh, I was always a little baffled by the concept of the show. Guess how much stuff costs. Yeah. <laughs> That confused you? It, that didn't confuse me. It just seemed so simple. Well, that... <laughs> <laughs> and you had to act, uh, you know, crazy in, mm-hmm. order, in order to get chosen. Like, you know, most of the game shows, they do audition people and observe people when when they come in. And whoever is acting the craziest... Are it, the ones that get picked. They're the ones oh, that yeah. get picked. Right? Yeah. yeah. The thing that used to baffle me about The Price is Right is when you'd win, you'd come up on stage... And there were some some people that had to play this game that was so intricate and, you know, the the golden road or whatever that was. You have to sit there and it seemed like it was an hour. Then there's one that comes up, uh, pick, the, pick the highest price, and boom, you're out. Right. Yeah. You take the, you know, was it Jay? Was that, was that the guy or am I thinking of a different show where they would bring stuff out on a little table and you have to guess? I'm th- I think I'm thinking of... Uh, Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal, yeah. That's let's make a deal. Yeah. That was Monty Hall, I think. That was mm-hmm. Monty Hall. Yeah. And Jay Stewart was the guy that I was thinking of, the announcer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He would come down the aisle and here's here's a, you know, a wheelbarrow. You just, <laughs> you just... <laughs> but anyway, Bob, back to Bob Barker. Yeah. Uh, 1956 to 1974 on Truth or Consequences. Which was a pretty funny show. People had to do crazy things in order to win uh, cash and prizes. That was a fun show. And then uh, he moved over to The Prices Right, where he stayed until his uh, retirement uh, at the age of uh, 83. And he was a master. Oh, yeah. He was an absolute master. He retired uh, in 2007. Uh, he won 14 Daytime Emmy Awards. And Schwanee, what's he best known for? Bob Barker? Yeah. 
uh, hosting the prices right no and animal rights yep. oh the animal rights yes animal you rights. always said to have your pet spayed or neutered yeah. at the end yeah. yes which is why when schwanny came on the show we had to have him spayed or neutered <laughs> anyone who's been on this show, honestly that's why the producers don't last very long that's an exception for jack to be on the show this long most of them when we bring up the spay or neutering thing they they want to get moved to david hockberg's show immediately <laughs> <laughs> but that's what uh, Bob Barker is. Uh, he, he is known equally for his animal rights, advocacy for animal rights as uh, being a, a, a legendary figure on uh, daytime TV. And for his fight scene with Happy Gilmore. That is one of the greatest scenes that's ever been put on film. I think you've had enough. <laughs> We're going to show that tomorrow morning at our, our little special WGN TV morning show tribute. Tomorrow. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to show that. And some of the contestants, I I have always been quite amused by when people, uh, you know, when they get to come on down and they play the game and they win and they, you know, they come on the stage and they win again, they go nuts. And Bob Barker frequently ran away from the contestants. <laughs> he got attacked a couple of times. He got attacked a couple of times by people. I think were, he was, yeah, some woman came, came up and gave him a giant hug. Oh, he almost fell over. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was fantastic. But that was one of the first game shows that I can remember that was an hour long, because it used to be a half hour. Right. And then they changed it, you know, what they put, but they put the wheel in there and then, uh, right. yeah, for the, for the showcase showdown. Well, he was, uh, that's, it's not easy to be a game show host. And, you know, you're dealing with things that are happening that are completely unplanned, unscripted. So, you know, you have to be pretty quick on your feet and, you know, smooth. And uh, Bob Barker was all of those things. So I, I have a great deal of admiration for his uh, professionalism through the years. And uh, uh, rest in peace, 99 years old. Holy smokes. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> Thought I had something else. But I was also, you had mentioned truth or consequences. You know, there's a truth or consequences New Mexico town. Didn't. That uh, has Is that today's t- far flung No, forecast? it's not, but it was one that one of the very first ones we did. No. Uh, you and, act like I pay attention. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I know you don't, but <laughs> others I, do. I hang on your every word. What do you mean? <laughs> But Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, in the southern part of the state, actually took its name to get some notoriety from the uh, from the show. It was a radio show at the time, and then uh, changed its name from Hot Springs because of uh, the contest to uh, name the show. Hmm. And so it became uh, Truth or Consequences. And another pioneering uh, person who did game shows and talk shows, Ralph Edwards. Oh, Remember was, Ralph Edwards was, and This Is Your Life? Ralph Edwards was the one who hired Bob Barker How, Okay, to be on uh, The Price is Right. Price is Right. It was first, first it was called The New Price is Right. Then they cha- just changed it to Price is Right, I guess, from when Bill Cullen, as you're saying, if he mm-hmm. was the first host. Uh, but it was Ralph Edwards who was behind a lot of these old game shows and hosted his own show, This Is Your Life. This Is Your Life, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's. Um, there been. Uh, we're going to talk uh, game shows later on in honor of Bob Barker and just for some fun. All these game shows that we grew up with. I think Match Game was my favorite. Oh, Match Game was awesome. Who was the host? Gene, Gene Rayburn. Rayburn. Yeah, but I loved that the uh, celebrities 
would get drunk. Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember Hollywood Squares? Hollywood Squares, they would have a few cocktails before they went on <laughs> Sometimes the Sometimes I think they might have, yes. Yeah. Oh, I think that was part of the key to the success of those shows, that clearly <laughs> you, you, you never knew what those celebrities were going to say and do. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway, we'll talk more uh, game shows later on. In honor of Bob Barker, should we have a, a round of prices right here this I morning? I think we should, yes. yes. Yeah, let's have a little, uh, because really it's just guessing the price of stuff. In our WGN vending machine right down the hall, you can buy a Snickers bar. <laughs> Snickers. Delicious chocolate with nougat and nuts. <laughs> Our contestants, Dave Schwan, come on down. Andy Mazur, come on down. So what do you think the cost of this Snickers bar is? Schwan, you go first. Um, $2. You can't, go, can't go over a dollar. What do you you can't go over a dollar? No, no, you can't go over. You can't go over the price. Oh, the, the, over the, the price. Yeah, the, the actual retail price. Retail okay. Dollar fifty. Dollar fifty. Dollar fifty one. Andy, you would be the winner. <laughs> it's a bargain price at a dollar seventy five. Jack, tell them what they've won. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't have the sheet. <laughs> Lucky Get bragging rights. <laughs> Lucky for you, we have some leftover Seymour Paisen scarfs from 1974 <laughs> back in the prize closet. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm spent after that. Did a lot you of don't research. have another one? No. Okay. I really, honestly, that's the only thing. I've never even uh, bought. I think it's $1.75. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's what the price is. You know, the other thing that was interesting and cool to watch about the prices, right, is how expensive the cars got. Right. Because every once in a while, you know, you'd have to guess all four numbers, and then they would start giving you the first number because it was in the tens of thousands now. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. Our vending machine is a ripoff, by the way. <laughs> I think if you were to actually go buy a Snickers bar, it might be... What would it be like at a store? A buck? Something like that? No, it's uh, more, than more than that now. Than that, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I got a couple of them. It was like two for $4. You know, so $1.99 plus tax or something like that. At Walgreens? It's the, 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 mm-hmm. I'm going to use Walgreens as my base. That was where I got them. Because everything else is pretty hiked up. But not like our vending machines. <laughs> And if you use a credit card in the vending machine, there's a there's a fee. There's a fee for that uh, also. Mm-hmm. I had actually fill out forms like I was applying for a mortgage <laughs> in order to get something out of there a couple of weeks ago. According to Walgreens.com, your Snickers bar, one point eight six ounce Snickers bar, yes, uh, is on sale right now for ninety nine cents. Oh. But it used to be uh, two for three bucks or one for a dollar ninety nine. Well, you still would have won, Andy. Yeah, I think I, think I would have won. No. Uh, and still no prize. Correct. Is the, uh, that's the bigger uh, issue. I went in with little expectation. We'll find out what's behind that curtain on today's... Fa- uh, fear, what's it called? The Fearless Four... 
forecast? The what? The far try flung, far flung, flung forecast. Uh, you know, those were not the F words coming to my mind. <laughs> no, I didn't but, think but so. That, and potentially award winning far flung forecast. Glad to see you got the title right this time. <laughs> I completely blanked on it. <laughs> It was uh, too overcome with grief about Bob Barker. Uh, This is our weekly compendium of uh, facts and figures, and all presented by Dave Schwan. Come on on down! down. (laughs) Well, friends, get out your compasses and protractors and newfangled GPS devices, because today we go to Crescent City, Florida. Crescent City, Florida Florida. has a population of 1,654, and it is located on two lakes. Crescent Lake lies to the east of town, thus the term Crescent City, and also Lake Stella is located to the west. Stella! we, (laughs) We bring up Crescent City because it is the hometown of a gentleman named A. Philip Randolph. Does this name Philip. do anything to you? A. Philip a. Randolph. A. Philip Randolph. A. Philip Randolph. Does not. Well, he was among the uh, people who was behind the March on Washington in 1963. He and Bayard Rustin and, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. participated 60 years ago this weekend. Uh, wonderful to see the commemorations and observances this weekend at the Lincoln Memorial. A. Philip Randolph was not only involved with that, he had the idea for this march as far back as 1941. And it took 20-some years for it to come to fruition. He also was involved in forming the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, mm. the porters from the Pullman uh, District in 1925. So Crescent City, Florida, his hometown, sunny today. It's 84 there. It's going up to 91. Our weekly visit with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Good morning to you, Dr. Most, and welcome. Nice to have you with us. Did you have a good week uh, out with your golf buddies? Yes, I did, Dean. It was. It was a, it was a fun week, so we really enjoyed it and uh, get to see some guys once or twice a year, and it's a good opportunity to catch up. So it was a good week. Yeah, I hope you had some air-conditioned uh, tents and things to uh, enjoy those reunions. You had, you had yourself a hot week last week. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday were really hot, and um, fortunately, you know, like I said earlier, you know, it, it's the players are one thing; they're used to this. They can walk six miles in these ninety degrees. But you got to think about the caddies, some of who are older, carrying a forty-five pound bag, walking seven miles. It's, yeah. uh, those are the ones I get concerned about. Yeah, well, I'm glad uh, it all worked out okay and uh, without incident. Uh, I just want to get a, a just a quick update on where we are with this new variant of uh, COVID that we've talked about the past few weeks. I've had more people this week ask me about uh, vaccines that, uh, you know, where they are with vaccines and what they should be doing and what's the status of this new vaccine that uh, you'd mentioned is going to be coming out in September, which now is less than a week away. Yeah, so if you were watching the news this week, you did see about another new variant. And, you know, the... It's nice that we're keeping people informed, but I don't want them to be overly concerned and worried. It's just that we have a much closer eye on how we're looking at these. So you probably have all heard about the BA 2.86, and we're like, okay, that's the newest variant. 
you have to remember, there's only been 10 identified cases worldwide. So this is nothing to get overly concerned about. The XBB strain is still the predominant strain here, and that's what the vaccine is going to be uh, designed to attack here in just a couple weeks, uh, expected to be released in mid-September. All right. So uh, folks that are, I mean, we'll open up the phone lines for uh, questions, but, you know, maybe we can uh, answer many of those questions now. Uh, People, if if people are due for vaccines, they probably should wait until this new vaccine is available. So they would be the most up to date, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. You know, the booster that we uh, released almost uh, about a year ago right now, You know, we kept it to one, and then in the spring after the U.K. and Canada said, hey, we need a second booster because we know these vaccines, they wane a little bit, so they okayed it for a second. So many people, if you haven't gotten a second booster, you're technically up for one. You could get one. But being this close to the the fall booster, I would say hold off on that one. That that vaccine is not even going to be made anymore. And the XBB vaccine, the booster vaccine that will be available in September here, is going to be the one that you're going to want to get. So certainly anybody who's on the fence right now, here we are. It's going to be the first, you know, we're going into Labor Day weekend. It's really just two weeks away, and you'll be able to get the appropriate vaccine that's the most up-to-date. I wanted to also ask you about this new test, which is available for consumers for Alzheimer's. I believe that this is the first time such a thing is uh, being made available for consumers to use, right? It is. And this is really interesting. And I don't want to say controversial, but we all have to be a little bit careful with it. You know, normally when you go to a doctor's office, he's going to say, okay, this is the test I want you to have. I want to check your hemoglobin A1C for diabetes. I want to check your cholesterol. But this is a test that you're going to be able to get and just go online, essentially, and get it, you know, by yourself without a doctor's order. So you would go online, and then they would tell you the draw station that you would go to. They would uh, draw your blood. They would run the test, and then the results would be shared with you. So it's this, you know, direct-to-consumer testing that we're going to start to see more and more of. Think about even with COVID testing, how... We were testing COVID at home before we used to have to go to hospitals or doctor's offices. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. And if it allows us to identify people with Alzheimer's a little bit earlier, and now that we have some treatments for it or treatment options, can we slow the progression of this disease and identify more people who have the illness earlier so that we have more treatment options? Who are the people that uh, should be concerned about this and possibly getting tested? If you've if you've had a family history of Alzheimer's, uh, should you be in line for that? Uh, if you yeah. are, you know, we we talked about this before. Uh, you know, we, we're all forgetting things a little more, especially as we get older. Uh, we forget things. I mean, if you feel like you're overly forgetful, should you be doing this? Who who are the people? What are what are signs that you should be tested for this? Yeah. So if you have mild cognitive deficits um, or history of Alzheimer's, certainly is would be in the family would be a good idea. I mean, and again, the test is not ideal. We're still finding out more about the test. But anybody who is concerned to a point of saying, you know what, uh, dad is starting to slow down and he's starting to forget things and he didn't remember how to get to a certain. Those are the individuals that say, hey, you know what? Let's get this blood test done. And now at least you have one data point that you can go back to the doctor with and say, hey, here's what's going on right now. Here's his symptoms. And here's the results of his blood test. So 
I'd look at it and say, you know, we're going to have false positives, false negatives. Certainly, it's the first time this test has been made. But anywhere we can increase the awareness of it and consider that we're going to have a blood test that may identify patients earlier, knowing that we have these drugs in the pipeline that could slow the progression of the illness, that's going to be the home run there. Early identification, early treatment, slow the progression. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question. So, you you know, you do find out that... Uh, you uh, you know may have Alzheimer's, uh, but there is no cure for it. There you know there there is nothing. But we have uh, made some inroads, haven't we, of early treatment in the last six or eight months? Yeah, actually, just in the last what three months. I mean, it was just probably maybe a month ago we talked about Lakembi. You know, this drug that, when given early on in the illness, has shown to slow the progression of of the illness by. You know, of blocking this beta amyloid. And that's what the blood test is looking at. The blood test is saying, well, what's the marker? The marker for Alzheimer's is beta amyloid. So they're looking for beta amyloid in a ratio against other proteins in your body for this blood test. So like you said, though, if we can find individuals who have early onset Alzheimer's and get them on this medication, we're extending the quality of their life and potentially the quantity of their life, but certainly the quality of their life. Uh, also, uh, there are new tools available to identify Parkinson's disease uh, much sooner than had been, pre- you know, the previous uh, protocol with this. Uh, something that's called oc- oculomics. Is, am I saying that right? Oculomics. Yep. Yep. So it's interesting when we talk about the eye, and we also we often say it's a window to the body. It's the one opportunity a doctor can look into essentially what's going on in the, like the vascular system and the nervous system in your body. Because when they take that little flashlight and they get really up close to your eyes or when you have that what they call slit lamp exam at the doctor's office, we're looking at the back of your eye and we're looking for changes that show diabetes, that show macular degeneration, that show retinal issues. But what they're finding now is they did a big study where they looked at people who had Parkinson's and people who did not have Parkinson's and compared the OCT, the optical coherence tomography, so kind of like a, it's a scan, and they found indicators going, well, wait a second, we see these indicators only in Parkinson's patients, not in non-Parkinson's patients. So when you have something like that, and they were identifying as they looked back at the data using artificial intelligence, they looked back seven years before people had symptoms to say, you know what, they had the changes in the back of their eye that we noticed that had we known before, we could have predicted that within five to seven years, they're going to have Parkinson's, which again is going to give us that early acknowledgement of it allow people to change their lifestyle, allow them to get on medications, allow them to really start to plan on things. You know, so a couple major illnesses where we really don't have a lot to work with, anything we can do to identify them earlier is going to allow for more treatment options and really extension of of quality of life. Yeah, that's uh, that's the issue, uh, you know, with all of these things. You get tested, but then what? You know, you find out that you do have this or that, uh, and and then what happens? Uh, it does sl- slowing the progression of the disease down. And in the case of Parkinson's, is is that where we are with this right now? 
Yeah, you know, <clears throat> Parkinson's is a difficult one because some of the medications we use for Parkinson's, people build up a tolerance for them to a point where they don't work. We have other things for Parkinson's where we put little neurotransmitters in their brain and just give them little shocks into their brain that take away their tremors. But certainly, I think probably the big thing here is if we identify early, then we can now start to watch the progression using this test, to get, which could be done every year or two years, and really start to say, if we tried this drug, does it slow the progression? Because what we've had in the past, we've waited till people have had symptoms. And now we say, now we're going to try to take your symptoms away. Whether it's the tremor of Parkinson's or whether it's the cognitive deficit of dementia, if we know early, then we can slow any of the progression based on identifying somebody who is going to end up with this disease years down the road boy, that's where we're really going to make an impact. Now, with uh, both of these tests for the Alzheimer's and the Parkinson's, uh, you know, if you go to your physician and say, I heard them talking on the radio about this or that, are these uh, testing uh, protocols uh, readily available? And are insurance companies uh, accepting uh, responsibility to pay for it? Yeah. So for the Parkinson's test, which is done by an ophthalmologist, uh, it's anywhere from 60 to $125. Some insurances pay, some don't. Um, but it is at the, the, the great clinics. Uh, we're very fortunate in the western suburbs to have Wheaton Eye Clinic, a large uh, ophthalmology clinic, and, and they do this test on a regular basis. Um, as far as the, the, uh, the test for Alzheimer's, it's interesting. You can go online right now and put in your zip code, and it will tell you where to go to get your blood drawn to get the test done. It's being done by a company called Quest Diagnostics. So if you Google Quest Diagnostics uh, Alzheimer's blood test, you will they'll, they'll pop up and say, enter your zip code. Enter your zip code, and it'll say, Here, here's where you can go. Those are out of pocket. That test hasn't been 100% proved, proven to be as accurate as they would want it to. So you're not seeing insurance companies pay for that right now. In the future, again, as they build more data, you'll probably see them start to approve that test as well. Let's get some calls for Dr. Kevin Most after a quick break. 312-981-7200. Dean Richards, Sunday morning, WGM. With Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital, and Frida on the phone line at 312-981-7200. Frida, you're on WGN. Oh, thank you, Dean. Uh, Dr. Most, I have an 87-year-old brother who has a history of anxiety and panic attacks, and he's now been living in a nursing home, and I'm finding that during the late afternoon and evening, he's even more uh, confused. Uh, he's clearer in the mornings. What is sundowner syndrome, and is there medication to slow up the process? I was just going to say, as you're, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, he's sundowning. He has sundowner syndrome, and that's the unfortunate thing because the um, ability to kind of keep your circadian rhythm for sunlight and sunset and when we – fall asleep and when we kind of get towards our being groggy at the right time. But what really we see is that in these individuals, it becomes earlier in the day and they get mood swings. Like you said, they get anxiety, they get energy surge, they can get confusion. So it, they 
kind of will get up and pace and rock. And we don't really know why, what the triggers are. For many of them, we think it's because the lights are dimmer, so sometimes keeping those lights a little bit brighter. And sometimes it's really going to try to minimize the triggers that cause that. So if you um, uh, normally do X, Y, and Z and you take that away, they're going to sundown for many reasons. So nutritional, there are some things, but you really want to maintain their normal standards and their structured activities so that they don't get stressed. And that's what usually happens. And then also simplifying their surroundings and their, you know, what's around them. You'd want to minimize the confusion that they may have. So it's a very difficult thing. And sometimes, unfortunately, we go to, well, let's just give medication because that's the easy way. When, in fact, changing the environment getting them into a validating and distracting place where you will go and say, okay, let's go do this activity where versus it's like, here, have them take this medicine and it'll get better. So it's a very difficult thing. It's very common in people in the hospital um, after a couple of days in the hospital and they're in it with a different environment. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of things that we can do. We try music therapy. We try, again, distractions, trying to keep them active. Um, but it's a very difficult thing, especially in nursing homes, where sometimes the staffing is not as robust as it is in the hospital. Yeah. Frida, good luck with all of that. Thank you for the call. Nick, you're next on WGN. Hello. Yeah, thank you. You have a great show always. Thank you. Um, I want to ask the doctor that with the coronavirus uh, uh, medicines that they came out with, it, usually there's a few years of trial periods, like seven, eight, nine years to see with more and more people that they test on to see how it's working out and see what adverse effects are out there. Uh, <clears throat> this time, uh, they had, to, of course, come out with it pretty much and put it just out into the public. So we've had a few years. Uh, does the doctor see any pattern like these people who've had problems with their hearts, some of them young people? Is it because they're athletes and they should have taken it easy uh, instead of still continuing their strenuous uh, sports or, you know, Pretty common on it, and that's it. Thank you. Yeah, are we able to make yeah, any Nick, think, conclusions yeah, Nick, about you, side you effects? Kinda, yeah, you kind of run two things together there, so I'll try to kind of separate them a little bit. And certainly, if you think about how quickly Paxlovid and how quickly Remdesivir came to market, it's way outside of what the normal is. We would have had large studies. We would have, But in the heat of the moment, we needed to do that, and the FDA was as safe as they possibly could to make sure that they were going to put a medication out there that worked and we saw that it did. Now, we have seen rebound cases with Paxlovid. So we've seen patients who take Paxlovid, they get better, boy, they're done. And, you know, a week, two weeks later, they have symptoms back. So the rebound effect there. But it's interesting. We even see that with antibiotics, with infections. You know, I think my pneumonia is cleared up. I take my course of antibiotics, and unfortunately, it can come back. So you have to remember that we're treating an infectious process, and we're going to try to make sure that we don't have the patient on the medication too long. We're going to have it on an appropriate length of time so that the uh, illness is gone. So as we get more and more data on Paxlovid, what's going to happen? We're probably going to see some changes as far as how long and how often. Now, as far as the other part about the heart and that, got to remember that the Paxlovid is not damaging the heart. What's damaging the heart is the virus and the inflammation from the virus. So individuals with long COVID, as we talked last week or the week before, you know, we're starting to see more long COVID cases and symptoms come up well after the infection. So we're still trying to get our arms around that. But the medications, the Paxlovid, the remdesivir, the vaccine, 
those really are fighting the infection. They're not causing any problems in the lungs or heart. Um, so really, we need to make sure we understand what the medications are for, what the vaccines are for, and what's the damage that the virus is doing if we don't treat it. You know, I've always wondered about with uh, really any kind of medication, antibiotics or COVID vaccine or whatever, I, I assume a standard dose is given to everybody for a vaccine, for example. But as you were saying, with the course of uh, antibiotics, uh, it does a... Uh, you know, does an obese person take as much as a petite person or does the obese person need more because their metabolism metabolism is bigger? Correct. So it's interesting. You know, we do that with pediatrics, right? It, all of our pediatric medicines, I shouldn't say all, but almost all of them are weight-based. So as we grow, we get to a point of being an adult and we know that those are not going to change that much whether the person weighs you know, 200 pounds or weighs 250 pounds. What we're probably more concerned about in those patients is tell me what their renal function is. In other words, how well do their kidneys work and how well does their liver work? Because that's often where these drugs are broken down. So we'll make adjustments based on their kidney function Mm. versus based on their weight. There are a couple that we will do weight-based, and there's a couple that we actually test throughout the course of the treatment to make sure that the antibiotic is hitting an appropriate level. But that's just a few drugs and mainly on the inpatient in the hospital setting. As always, uh, great information. Always appreciate you visiting with us on Sunday morning. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great day, Kev. Thank you. You got it, Dean. Talk. We'll talk soon. Thanks. You know, I think I came up with a solution for the triathlon canceling the swimming portion of the event. And what might that be? Well, uh, well they can't swim in the lake because of the dangerous conditions, right? Six-foot waves and uh, cold weather. Yes, it's dangerous. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be out on a boat on six-foot waves. No, of course not. So instead, you just go over to Shed Aquarium and swim around in the dolphin <laughs> With tank. With the dolphins. <laughs> Set dolphins, up a route. They have some beluga whales there. Yeah. <laughs> good, good escorts. If you can, uh, I mean, maybe you can't swim the same uh, you know, amount of time. But I'm going to guess it's equally as challenging. (laughs) Especially maneuvering around a beluga whale, right? Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome, triathlon people. Andy Mazur at Rubinia last night. Doing the shout dance. Oh, we were shouting. The uh, Isley Brothers appearing at Rubinia last night with uh, uh, Boys to Men. Yep. And uh, music critic around town, Andy Mazur, was uh, there. Yeah, not a blade of grass to be seen at Ravinia last night. That's all Andy does now is go to concerts. Well, I figured, you know, I, I need to have something to fall back on. It's, uh, you know, it's summer, right? Yeah, it's summer. Got to enjoy these things right. while we can. Exactly right. And uh, there was a hint of fall in the air last night, I'm going to tell you that. I uh, was not appropriately dressed for the wind conditions last night. But uh, what an energetic show. It was a little uh, a, a little chilly last yeah. night. So uh, who opens the show? The Isley Brothers? The Isley Brothers opened up. Yeah. yeah, Isley Brothers opened up. And uh, Ron Isley, he's... Uh, Ron, right? It is Ron. Ronald, okay. I think he's the, the last remaining yeah, he's, original Isley he's Brothers. He's 82 and an incredible storyteller, first of all. Wow. And uh, hey, Schwanny, he's your age. St- <laughs> still has a lot of energy. He had a, he had a nice band with him, and uh, they were doing all of his hits, and they were 
very, very complimentary of the boys to men. They wanted them, everybody to, to, you know, continue to be energetic for them. And, nice. Uh, boys to men and kind uh, had another round of applause for the Isley brothers, who were guys that they looked up to sure. as musical influences. But the uh, the boys to men show was really interesting. I mean, I I I can't help myself. I go to this uh, this setlist.fm to kind of get an idea of what these shows are going to be like. And I got to be honest, when I looked at the setlist for uh, boys to men, it was only twelve songs. And I'm thinking to myself, twelve songs back in our DJ days. That was like that was about an hour. Yeah, that's nothing. And I'm thinking, man, how are they going to how are they going to carry this show? I'll tell you, they did. And these guys were they sounded exactly like they did before. That's thirty something years ago that they're that they're uh, the height of their popularity uh, came in. They were featured in the movie Boomerang. Uh, a couple of their songs. Yeah. great songs yeah but but as you were telling me earlier it was they didn't do very many of their own songs no so they 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 started off with motown philly probably one of their most uh, most recognizable popular songs uh on bend and knee which was theirs and then it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday that's the one that was featured in boomerang right and then they kind of went into cover band in and it it was amazing they did a, a lenny kravitz cover of are you gonna go my way into american woman hmm then they did the Beatles' Come Together. Hmm. Then they did Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight. Hmm. Then they did Journey's Open Arms, which was fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and they wrap up the show with, uh, with I'll Make Love to You and then uh, Mariah Carey cover One Sweet Day. Yeah, which I think they did with Mariah Carey. Yeah, they did it with her. And it's funny. They said, like, yeah, the, the young lady that usually does this, show, this song with us is not here tonight. So. <laughs> so they had the audience filling in for her. And then uh, they... You know, fittingly ended it with end of the road, right? And no encore, and that was just a, that was the end of the show. But the storytelling they were they were talking about their musical influences and why they were doing wonderful tonight because during the pandemic, some of these guys that didn't play instruments taught themselves how to play instruments. Hmm. One learned how to play the guitar. One learned piano. The guy from that learned guitar learned it on YouTube. Interesting. And he played last night uh, wonderful tonight, which was fantastic. Um, I mean, Eric Clapton. It's an Eric Clapton. Yeah, song. he did it. He, he did it much good. better. But yeah. uh, when you when you talk when you're talking about these uh, these covers, and I'm looking at these the set list before, I'm thinking, how are they going to pull off Open Arms from Journey? Right. And they were talking about how they went to this school of arts in Philadelphia, and how their teachers there and their professors were trying to expose them to music that they did not grow up with. Right. So <laughs> these are their words last night. They said, you know, we used to listen to the black stations. And then once in a while, we'd we'd sneak down to see what the white people were listening to, <laughs> and they heard "Open Arms" from Journey and thought it was one of the more perfect right. kind of uh, for their style. Yeah, for their style. Yeah. And you know, they they talked about their their journey from the hood, as they like to, as they said yesterday, to the height of their popularity, and they they kind of gravitated towards Journey because of the name of the band, and then they also just loved the song. And they did it, and they did it fantastically last night. I got to be honest with you; it was really, really good. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, it was an interesting show. I mean, there was a lot of oh my god, there was so the diversity in that crowd yesterday was unlike any I've ever seen. And it was packed. It was packed, packed to the gills. The, yeah. the, the the pavilion was just jammed, and there was not a blade of grass to be seen. I mean, the only time I've seen that that crowded was last year for Sting. Yeah. So it was great. It was a fantastic show. Fun. Yeah. 
Schwani, remember when we used to be in that boy band back in the day? <laughs> yeah. I was listening. Acapella boy band the called o- Sleepy, Grumpy, and Dopey. <laughs> <laughs> you can decide which was which. <laughs> I was all of the above. Um, but, Andy, I think you missed your calling. You are a marvelous uh, critic oh, and a marvelous yes. observer. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Taking it all in. You really, covered the, the, you really covered it all there. It was really interesting. I mean, I seriously, I did not know how they were going to pull this show off because... It's you know there was an intermission too between the Isley Brothers and Boys to Men, which seemed to kind of last a little longer than I think anybody really anticipated. And you're, you know you start to think, oh, okay, we had a, you know another hour, hour and a half, whatever. And they come right out of the gates with Motown Philly, and you, it, it was over after that. I mean, everybody was on their feet the whole night. I think I would have been disappointed if I had read this set list and saw that they weren't doing a lot of their own yeah. songs. I would have been disappointed because they have a lot. A lot of they do their own songs, which they uh, you know clearly decided not to do in favor of some of these cover versions. Yeah, and they you know they wanted to showcase themselves too. They were they were talking about themselves becoming not just singers but artists. Yeah, and they wanted to feature the you know the journey that they made from just being guys that were uh, you know in high school together and, uh, and and impressing Michael Bivens to give them a chance. Yeah, and that's the story of Motown Philly basically, and. It's it was incredible. It, it kind of harkened me back because I was playing those songs of theirs during my DJ days back in Peoria. Your, your DJ days, yeah, from you know the late eighties uh, into the, the mid nineties, and that's pretty much where they were were uh, on top. Their harmonies are oh. um, just absolutely amazing, and and their their vocal variety with uh, the members of the band as well the the falsetto, the the deep, the, the deep bass voice, and then the, the couple of voices in between. Yeah. I mean, it works, and it, it, it still worked after uh, after all those years. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was great. I was at a wedding last night. Nice wedding. Had fun. What did you do last night, Schwani? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do anything? I didn't do anything Watch last TV? night. Uh, no, I didn't watch TV. I called did Gilda. Read a, you read a book? for a while. Talked nope. on the phone? Okay. Talked on the phone. That's it? Uh, that's, yeah. That's, and sat in the dark? Yeah, that's pretty much wanna, it. I don't want to waste electricity. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think I'm made of money? <laughs> Glad you all had a nice time. Yeah, we had a great time. Sorry. Sorry that you didn't, you literally did not do one thing. I didn't do a thing last night. All right. Nope. Boy, just hearing that takes me back to our days in the boy band, though, doesn't it, Ronnie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, long, lonely sleepy, days on the road. <laughs> sleepy, dopey, and grumpy. Uh, our biggest hit was, uh, we did uh, also an acapella version of Jimmy Crack Corn. That <laughs> I like the acapella version of Get Off My Lawn. That was fantastic. Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. <laughs> Jimmy crack corn. How does this go now? Where does this go? Jimmy, I got it. Do 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 do. I don't remember what the. I don't either. I don't either. Something something about going away, right? The farmer's gone away. Farmer's gone away or something. Yeah. The farmer always ruins everything. <laughs> I in know. The farmer in the dell. The <laughs> farmer was, in the dell. That was on the B we side. Did, that, was on the <laughs> that was on the B side of Jimmy Crack Horn. One of the scenes from the new movie that's called Golda that uh, very quietly opened in theaters on Friday. Uh, interestingly, the uh, studios did not screen this for critics first. 
which really surprised me because it's the kind of movie that uh, you know you would normally see lots of attention for leading up to uh, award season that's uh, just right around the corner. I don't know if that has something to do with the actor strike that's going on right now and actors not really doing uh, any uh, publicity whatsoever, no interviews, no nothing. But uh, they didn't even screen this movie for the critics. And I was really looking forward to seeing this movie. It's about uh, the uh, former prime minister of Israel, Golda Meir, and it stars Helen Mirren as Golda Meir. And I am one of those people, you know, that uh, subscribe to the Helen Mirren can do no wrong theory because she's fantastic in everything that she's in. This is no exception. She's amazing. I'd be shocked if she didn't get an Academy Award nomination for her role in this movie, which is uh, centered on the uh, portion of her prime ministry that uh, slightly precedes the Yom Kippur War and her guiding her country and her generals, her military, uh, through this uh, attack on Israel. Uh, There were lots of allegations that uh, she did not handle it properly. That's sort of where this movie begins with a, a panel Uh, investigating whether or not she acted appropriately in dealing with the attack on Israel, whether she did it in a timely fashion or not, whether she had information which was not revealed. I don't want to give too much away, but it's about that that period of uh, this uh, war, which was launched on Israel during uh, one of the highest uh, holy periods in uh, in Jewish life. Uh, So... uh, you know, it's it's a, a history uh, story, but it is uh, a fascinating, fascinating motion picture. And as I say, Helen Mirren, once again, uh, just completely knocks it out of the park. She is so transformed into uh, Gold of My Ear. Leah Schreiber uh, plays Henry Kissinger in this movie. There are lots of other uh, actors who are not as well known playing uh, Moshe Dayan and other prominent figures in uh, the Israeli government and military uh, at the time. But uh, it's a really interesting movie. I went to see it uh, just on my own on Friday uh, because they, they, as I say, they released the film quietly. They didn't tell the, the studios, which normally would set up screenings for critics so we could be talking about it, did not. Uh, I'm not 100% sure why they did that because it's really quite a good movie. Now, you know, it's not for everyone in these days where you need Barbie to sell uh, movie tickets or you need, uh, you know, Indiana Jones or, you know, superheroes and this and that. This is a a biographical uh, drama. And uh, it's one that's really well done. I think you have to be, you know, into history probably to be uh, a little more into this uh, you know, than uh, you might expect to be. Uh, I mean, uh, Shwani's busy getting ready for the next newscast right now, but uh, being the history buff that he is, uh, this one's got uh, Dave Schwann's name written all over it to, to go and see. I hope I hope that he has the opportunity to go see it. Anyway, I'm giving it a Dean's List B+, uh, because I think Helen Mirren's uh, performance is so strong in this movie 
and it's playing in theaters uh, all over. And uh, I should mention to you that today it has been designated as National Cinema Day. There is an organization which represents movie theaters all over the country, the National Theaters Association, National Theater Owners Association, and they have proclaimed today National Cinema Day. And what that means to you is that you can go see a movie today for four dollars, four bucks. Uh, that's participating theaters, which because. The major theater chains are all participating in this, which means that it is practically all the theaters, uh, all the movies, all the screenings, all the formats, including IMAX formats. uh, You should be able to get in uh, and see for $4. So whether it's Golda or whether it's Barbie or Oppenheimer or Blue Beetle, which I also gave... Uh, a good review to last week, the the new superhero movie that's out. Uh, there are lots of uh, pretty good movies that are out there. And today, Sunday, is uh, the day that you can go see them for $4. Now, you know, concessions are still going to be ridiculously priced, as they always are. Uh, they're going to show you a ton of previews, a ton of the trailers ahead of time, so they can try to entice you to come back. Uh, later in the year and see some other motion pictures but you know you can't beat a four dollar ticket price admission to get in it's a lot easier than a ten dollar price or 12 or 15 or 20 uh, in some of the theaters so check your listings on this you know go online and take a look at the movie theaters to see which theaters are participating in all of this uh, and uh, take advantage of that if you as as you uh, can. Shwani, I was just saying this uh, Golda movie. Uh, yes, that's that's got you written all over. Oh yeah, yeah, that definitely sounds uh, very intriguing, very interesting yeah. to see. And Helen Mirren, Helen, absolutely, Mirren. I'm with you. She she can do no wrong she can either. Do no wrong. She is uh, spectacular. This movie also, by the way, intersperses actual footage of the real Golda Meir with Helen Mirren footage. So it goes back and forth, and sometimes you you absolutely cannot tell the difference. Wow, the wow! That's the makeup job that uh, they've done on that. Anyway, we'll get into our theater segment after we take a quick check of some news. All right, ten thirty-five. Lots of new shows that are opening up for the fall season in Chicago. Telling you about Little Shop of Horrors at the Paramount. Going to be going out to see uh, on September the 10th. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by the president of the League of Chicago Theaters to give us a little uh, rundown of some of the best of what we can expect in the Chicago area for the uh, fall season. But one of the things that uh, I wanted to bring to your attention was a show that was here in Chicago for uh, a pretty good amount of time and got uh, absolute rave reviews. The show called I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce that starred uh, Ronnie Marmo, who was nice enough to uh, come and visit with us here in the studio several times. Ronnie is bringing the show back to the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts in Skokie for a special one-night two-performance evening on uh, Saturday, September the 9th. The North Shore Center for the Performing Arts at 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. 
And what a coincidence Ronnie Marmo would be on the phone with us right now to talk about it all. Hello there, my friend. Good morning, Dean. How are you? How are you? Doing very well. Uh, I was so excited when I heard that you were going to be uh, bringing the show back. Uh, I'm sorry it's only for one night, but I, I know you're you're doing a tour and you're going all over the place, uh, you know, and, and spreading the Lenny Bruceness uh, of it all. That's true. But, you know, you, um, you're not as excited as me. I promise you. I am so excited. But we are uh, we're doing two shows in one day, a matinee and an evening. And when I got the opportunity to come to Skokie, I thought, well. Originally, I think about four years ago, I, I thought about bringing the show originally to Skokie. Um, and, and you know, we turned out we had a beautiful run at the Royal George. And so, long story short, I'm just excited when this came up. And it's 900 seats, so that'll be pretty exciting as well. Yeah, it's a, a nice venue for a, a show like this. When was uh, your Royal George run? Was it pre-pandemic? I was trying to remember exactly. that. I think it was. Yeah, we opened, I think it was uh, two nights 2019 in the fall, and we ran through March 14th, 2020, and I told everybody, I'll see you guys in a few weeks, I'm going to go home and just lay low, and that turned into two years. And then and then we came back, uh, and we did it the Venus, which is a part of the Mercury, it's a little cabaret right. space. Right. We did it there for another five and a half months, or six months, so we basically bookend the uh, pandemic. And uh, now we're coming back through, heading all over the country. But this was a great opportunity. So yeah, it's this this show is so uh, provocative and visceral, uh, and it's about the the life and career of maybe one of the most controversial comedians of all time, uh, Lenny Bruce. Even though he's not a comedian, he was a comedian back in the day, but uh, exactly. uh, not not like one that we've seen before. You know, not like well, you know, that's true. Not you know, in a day when we were we had uh, what you know Milton Berle and Sid Caesar and uh, you know these uh, you know Myron Cohen those kind of storytellers, along come, comes this guy who turns stand up comedy on its head. That is true, Dean. He was uh, the first guy not to have really a set routine, and he talked about all the taboo subjects, you know, things that people didn't want to touch, religion, politics. Uh, Funny enough, many of the things he talked about, sadly, we're still talking about. I don't know what happened, but uh, it seems we've we've progressed in many ways, and we've regressed in a few, that's for sure. So uh, Lenny was definitely one of a kind, and now, you know, he influenced everyone. I mean, you have, you know, Chappelle and Chris Rock and, you know, just basically everybody, Sarah Silverman, you know. <clears throat> so he, he was definitely more than a comedian, but certainly a very important one and when i watch his material now from back then i can't believe how much trouble he was in for really basically nothing compared to what we're dealing with today so interestingly though uh in this world in which we live now and the so-called cancel culture uh lenny bruce was really the the first one to be canceled by culture wasn't he you know, it's so funny you say that because I, I say that and I haven't heard anyone else say it. So that's really funny, Dean. I'm always like, he was the original canceled. Yes, he was. And uh, except, you know, they hounded this guy and eventually, you know, he died of an overdose at 40 years old. But, but we, you know, people often say that he died from an overdose of the police. They just hounded him and canceled him, and uh, which just made him more popular. Yeah, you know? because of the uh, the kinds of things that he was talking about. And the the world in which we were living, you know, those very 
vanilla uh, days of the the late 50s and the early 60s where you know you couldn't do anything controversial back then uh well he, he, he got arrested yeah in chicago for the first time that was his first arrest at the gate of horn for doing a bit called religions incorporated and he didn't say one dirty word he just made the Pope Jewish, and he had this whole funny thing, and he just had these, you know, he said there's there's this group of people at on Madison Avenue, and the Pope is there, and he's Jewish, and he made this whole thing, and a Catholic cop was offended and arrested him. Isn't that amazing? Ar- arresting somebody for, uh, you know, doing satire, really. But uh, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the world had never seen anything like that. Now, uh, Ronnie's show... Uh, 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 I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. Uh, is directed by Chicago's own Joe Montaigne. How much are, are you? Are you guys still tweaking and changing? And I, I would, I would think that that might be just sort of like an everyday thing with a show like this, is it? You're absolutely right, Dean. Like we've since I've been in Chicago, I've swapped out two major bits. We've uh, we've definitely added some other stuff. So if you if you've seen the show. I feel like it's different enough where it's still be worth your time. But Joe and I are always working. In fact, tomorrow I'm going up to his office because I wanted to show him something in the play. And do. And he's still directing it, and he's very funny. And uh, he's as committed today. Well, you guys know Joe. I mean, he's the really the nicest guy in the world, and I know how Chicago feels about him. But he, what, what, what a great guy. Generally speaking, when you do a play, the director comes opening weekend, maybe the second week to tweak a few things. I've done 424 performances, and he's seen 100. Wow. Literally. Yeah, he comes. I'm like, Joe, what are you doing here? He's like, hey, I want to see the show, kid. I love the show. Hey, yeah. I want to see. I could just hear him. That's, that's how he talks. Hey, kid, don't worry. I like. And he sits there. One day he stressed me out. He was. I see him every day sitting in the audience with an open uh, notebook and a pen, <laughs> but he doesn't write anything. He doesn't write anything. So one day I said, Joe, please give me a note. You drive me crazy. You stress me out with the open notebook. Give me a note. And he goes, you want to know my note is for you, kid? I go, what? He goes, don't ever stop doing this show. It's oh. beautiful. Oh, man. That's a, that is so a go, nice okay. compliment. Yeah, that's that's my guy. I mean, and I know he's Chicago's guy. Too, he's so. the greatest. He's, Joe, Joe is just the absolutely the greatest. I love him. Uh, and so genuine. Yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that that's the Chicagoness in him coming out. You know, you you get totally. it, you get it straight no matter what. Uh, the show is going to be at the uh, North Shore Center for Performing Arts in beautiful uh, Skokie, Illinois. It's going to be uh, Saturday, September the 9th. Two shows, one in the afternoon at 2 o'clock, one at 8 o'clock. And you can get tickets by going to NorthShoreCenter.org. NorthShoreCenter.org. For I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce, and our pal uh, Ronnie Marmo. I hope we get a chance to see you, Ronnie, when you're here. But I'm glad you could join us today. It's great to hear your voice. Thank you, Dean. You too. And I appreciate your support so much. And if you guys want to read some reviews when we're in Chicago, just go to LennyBruceOnStage.com and you could get all the Chicago reviews. And uh, we, we hope to see you out there. So thank you so much. Good deal. Good to talk to you. Ronnie Marmo. Coming up next, the president of the League of Chicago Theaters. What else is going on on stage this fall in Chicago? So excited about Hamilton coming back to the Chicago area. It is one of the many highlights that we can look forward to in the fall season on stage in Chicago. Uh, here to recap it all for us 
is Marissa Lynn Jones, who's the executive director of the League of Chicago Theaters. Marissa, thank you for joining us. Always nice to talk to you. John and talking about theater. Yeah, well, I'm glad uh, that you can join us. I guess Hamilton coming back to Chicago after its uh, amazing run uh, here in Chicago, first place that it came after it won all the Tony Awards and you know took New York by storm, uh, now is uh, coming back to the uh, Chicago area. When and where will we be seeing Hamilton again? Oh, such a great show, and it's going to be, it's through Broadway in Chicago at the Nederlander Theater, and it starts September 13th. Oh, wow. I almost got caught up in the music there for a moment. I know. I, when I when I start playing that soundtrack, I get all caught up with it, because it's so genius, really, the uh, diversity of the, the music and the actors, and it just, it takes me back to... Uh, Seeing Lin Manuel Miranda and of course uh, Miguel yes. Miguel Cervantes, got, you who, know Chicago ties and yes, um, is really connected to Chicago community. So this is this is a great way to um, bring Hamilton back and, and really celebrate. Yeah, September thirteenth through December third, to be exact, uh, at the uh, James M. Niederlander Theater on uh, Randolph Street downtown. Uh, what are you most looking forward to this fall in Chicago? Oh, my goodness, there's so many great new shows uh, coming. And we have, um, to kick it off, we have uh, Destinos uh, with CLATA, the Chicago International Latino Theater Festival is happening. Um, so these are actually shows you can see across the city in different places. And um, there's so many new works coming to our stages uh, here as we welcome these international theater companies. And so I'm really excited. There's over 17 productions um, you can see them across the city, Steppenwolf, Good Men, um, Teatro, Tarakuri, um, and there's shows for everybody. Yeah, uh, this uh, obviously is a sign that uh, people are coming back to the theaters, that the slump, I mean, the complete shutdown, really, of theaters during the pandemic, uh, which put a lot of people in peril, that things are... Uh, you know, back or, you know, well on their way back with such an ambitious season that's coming. Oh, absolutely. We're excited to welcome back audiences now that, you know, we've had our, our summertime Chicago, we've had our festival seasons, it's time to get cozy and get back in the seats and <laughs> um, come see the shows. We're all kicking off our um, fall seasons across the city with all our different member theaters. So uh, it's a, it's time to buy your ticket right now. And uh, we actually have a great promotion right now for those who are, are teetering on buying a ticket. Um, we've got tickets for 20 going right now. Tell us what that is. So tickets for 20, you'll you'll get a ticket for $20. Um, we're on Hot Ticks. So on hotticks.org, you can find special prices for uh, just about all of our fall season shows. Make sure you, that, you know, people go grab their theater guides. Our fall theater guide is coming out um, here for September. And we have, you know, over 25 productions that will have tickets up for $20 from August 24th through Sunday, September 3rd. Um, so this is the perfect way to see a number of shows across the city, get back acclimated to getting in the seats and going to to support your local theater companies. Um, so it's a great opportunity I would want everyone to take advantage of. Yeah, and this is, uh, as you say, it's going on now 
through next Sunday, September the 3rd. And you can get mm-hmm. information at, uh, you know, if you are a theater goer and you're not checking hotticks.org, uh, you are not you doing yourself a favor. It's, it's, uh, it's just the greatest. It's H-O-T-T-I-X, hotticks.org, where there are discounts like this, $20 tickets, but often half-price tickets for shows, incredible discounts for shows. Uh, you must check hot ticks before uh, you you know decide to go to any uh, theaters. So here's just uh, one more reason to do that. What are you hearing about A Taste of Soul? This is the show that is oh, actually it's officially opening today, this afternoon. Yes, it's opening today. And anything that BET, that Black Ensemble Theater does, is always amazing. It always gets people on their feet and excited and dancing. And you've got, you know, songs and and, and things from Al Green to you know, Peaches and Herb and, and Barry White. And so if you like listening to those hits and hits from Gladys Knight, then. Yeah. This is definitely the show for you. Yeah, it's a musical tribute to some of the top uh, R&B and soul artists of the past several uh, decades. It opens today and will run through October the 15th at the Black Ensemble Theater. We're going to be having some of the performers uh, on with us, both on TV and radio, to kind of, you know, give give that a uh, everybody a look at that. Oh, that'll some, be wonderful. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm I'm I, I'm such a big fan of Black Black Ensemble Theater and uh, the work of the great Jackie Taylor and uh, all of the people Absolutely. that she's brought up uh, through the years. Uh, what else? What uh, What else uh, should we be going to see right now? We've got so many um, well, amazing well, shows right now. That- yeah, if we keep on that, that pathway a little bit, we have Blues for an Alabama Sky at Remy Bumpo Theater. Um which is which ties into that that song and and um, it's about a jazz singer who who got fired from the Cotton Club and just her pathway as she navigates love and friendship um, after that moment and it's set in Harlem and so you know we've got enough uh, music throughout the if for people who want music for people who want straight plays we've got enough for everybody. Yeah, I was just uh, looking at the list here that includes uh, Guys and Dolls at the Beverly Guild Theater. We've got yep. uh, Gypsy, one of the classic musicals of all time, up at the uh, at Marriott. Yeah, yeah, Marriott and Lincolnshire. But uh, in terms of uh, straightaway dramas from theater companies that are sort of famous for them, we have Night Watch at the Raven Theater. Uh, we've got uh, the lifespan of a fact from the Timeline Theater Company. Absolutely, yes, uh, which always does great lobby displays and really incorporates the audience into the work. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's some amazing shows, and uh, we should mention also the League of Chicago Theaters Gala which is coming up in a couple of weeks, right? Yes, it's a celebration. We're so excited. Um, you know, this is our first gala since the pandemic, and it's really um, going to be a celebration of our resilience as a Chicago community. Chicago is the incubator of theater stories, of theater companies. Um, it is a place where people come to connect and collaborate. It's where great playwrights and actors and 
and audiences are are able to thrive. And so this is really a time for us to say that fall is here. The theater season is here. It's back. We're happy to be here. We're happy to welcome you. And for all of the artists and administrators and crew members and union workers who worked so hard to keep the lights on and keep the doors open through the pandemic, now is the time for us to celebrate and to support and show that support and do that through, you know, raising money for league programs, which goes back to the artists, which we, um, you know, we really grant to artists and theaters to help them stay open, to stay thriving, and continue to advocate for their work across the city. So um, I'm really excited. It's going to be my my first time ever throwing a gala. I was going to so say. We're, yeah. we're going to have fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a... September 19th, and it's going to be right in West Loop at the Amazing Space. And we have a wonderful opportunity this year to um, give back and really open it up because we believe theater is for everyone. We're really making sure this is a gala for all people. Um, It's going to be after work on a Tuesday. We're going to have fun. We're going to have Light Bites, it's called uh, It's Showtime, a celebration of Chicago theater, and so there'll be some nice surprises throughout the evening. Yeah, and uh, among the uh, things that will happen will be uh, some special awards for Rosario Vargas of, uh, I, I hope... The Baguian I, Theater. I was going to say, I'm ho- artistic- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the Artistic Excellence Award, um, which we're very excited to honor people who have been um, doing this work and really uh, started with this work in the city of Chicago um, through its history. Um, and then so Rosario Vargas of Aguillon Theater with Artistic Excellence Award, and then Eileen Lucario of Broadway in Chicago with the Lifetime Achievement Award. So very special, um, both two women who have been trailblazers in our community. I, I was I wanted to point out uh, Eileen uh, Rosario. I don't know, but Eileen Lucario is a longtime friend. Uh, I've been working with Eileen literally for decades. Uh, you know, pr- promoting shows. Uh, she is. One of the vice presidents of Broadway in Chicago, and uh, we're in constant contact talking about the shows that are coming into Chicago, who's coming in, what's going to happen, you know, for these big shows, these big touring companies that come through the Chicago area. A lot of this would not have happened except for the hard work of uh, Eileen Lacario. Uh, Absolutely. So I'm ha- very happy to see that uh, she's going to get. Some special recognition. You know, just having to deal with me on a regular basis, somebody should get an award for that. So, we'll, well, we hope you're there to help us celebrate. Right. Dean. There should be an award that's called You Put Up with Dean Richards All These Years Award. Right. Uh, but, no, no. We, we love your reviews of theater, and it's always great to, you know, to have that support. Well, um, that's very nice so of thank you. Thank you. Very nice of you. I'm, uh, I have always been a big fan of the League of Chicago Theaters and the Hot Ticks because if you know I want theater I want people to be able to go to theater uh it can uh you know it can be expensive sometimes but Hot Ticks makes it a lot more affordable and again if you go Absolutely. to h o t t i x you can take a look at everything that's available online but you have some offices where people can go to purchase tickets as well right Right, so we're right um, downtown at, at Block 37. That's right on 
108 North State Street. So if you um, want to come and talk to our um, brand ambassadors, they're happy to talk about all of the shows that are going on and what to look forward to. They can help you um, purchase your tickets right there um, at our at our station in Block 37. And so please uh, come see us if you if you need help or give us a call. We're always happy to talk about theater. Good deal. Or ChicagoPlays.com is the league's website. Marissa Lynn Jones, Executive Director, League of Chicago Theaters. I hope you have a great day today. Thank you. I hope you have a great day, and I hope to see you all in the audience soon. Thank you so much, Dean. There's still triathloning outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That closure on Lakeshore Drive, DeSalvo Lakeshore Drive, is in effect until noon. Yeah. The southbound lanes. That can't be inconveniencing anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind us. You really didn't complain much this week. Never morning. mind us and the trauma that we all had to go through. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Unless you had something else to bring up here. Far be it for me to I, interrupt you. I did, but whatever is on your mind is far more important. Okay. Than about fi- anything that I've got about going. fifteen minutes ago, I was going to do my annual joke about the Dean Richards triathlon. Oh, <laughs> well, go ahead. Remember when we were over at the other building at the old dump on Tri- uh, Michigan <laughs> Avenue? And the, you were you were doing the show out of the mattress store, which well, which is now a mattress. <laughs> a lot of people there's a, a a lot of people don't know over there now. There's a liquor store and a, <laughs> a currency exchange <laughs> and a mattress store. I think that it's gone downhill since we've left, to tell you the truth. But the, uh, we, we used to you know, say we were going to have our own triathlon where you go 50 feet eating a cake. And donuts and, and fi- pancakes. Well, 50 feet eating cake first, 50 feet eating uh, greasy fried chicken, and then 50 feet eating uh, as many Rolades as you possibly can. <laughs> I'm going to have to get in touch with Bruce Buckley, who used to do traffic for us on the morning. And, oh, yeah. Uh, see if he came up with a name Cakewalk. for it. Cakewalk. The cakewalk. That's what it yeah. was. Yes. Yeah, we wanted to. That yeah. was one of the first things we said we were going to do that we never did. Of of like thousands that we've announced, <laughs> but the cakewalk. But yes. uh, Bruce Buckley used to say that we should have this event when they have triathlons and marathons and things like that. Where <laughs> you you only have to walk if anyone walks too fast or disqualified. Uh, but you would walk eating chocolate cake, <laughs> oh. right? That would be so fantastic. Portillos. Oh, there you go. Get some Portillos. There you go uh, to sponsor us. Mm. Anywho. That's what I was going to say. Uh, what were you going to say? What well, were you, you going to okay. ax me? All right. Well, I was going to, about 15 or 20 <laughs> minutes ago. I like to talk street. About 15 or 20 minutes ago, when you were talking to Marissa Lynn Jones, yes. you made the comment that there should be an award of putting up with Dean Richards. Right. I think I may be a contender for this award. <laughs> Andy definitely in the running. Jack now. Right. Um, what do you think? Well, since I have, said I that, should be. There should be a short list. Well, that's not possible. Emphasize short. That's not possible because we've already our our phone lines have already been jammed with former producers. <laughs> Former producer. Not to mention every listener. (laughs) So far, we've heard. The last 30 years. Lyle Dean has called up. He wants an award. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Uh, Yes. Don Porter. Don Norton. Don Norton. Who's Don Porter? Who's Don Porter? Don Norton. Uh, (laughs) But, oh, the producer's line. Don Porter. (laughs) 
What did I say? I, do I know Don Porky? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. If you do or not. Andy, tell oh, you me better more get about those the awards, Boys to Men concert. Better, <laughs> better get those awards in before the memory's completely gone. <laughs> I think so. So, what do you think? What do you think? Put uh, up with Dean Richards. Yeah, I wasn't really paying attention to what you were saying. Okay. So. One of my favorite groups, The Police. Their legendary guitarist, Andy Summers, headed to the Chicago area. And uh, we talked with him one-on-one. Andy Summers, a rock and roll hall of famer, legendary guitarist for The Police, joining us in uh, about a half an hour. So we're talking about the cakewalk, the uh, uh, event that we've been wanting to do for quite a long time. Where you you know you walk and eat cake and you walk and eat fried chicken and you do all that stuff. Somebody texted in a similar event that goes on in Springfield uh, once a year that is called the Fat Blank Five K Race for Charity <laughs> in Springfield. In Springfield, oh. <laughs> I like that title. Well, it's not blank is what I'm putting in. Uh-huh. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, it's called it's called something else. I got you. All right. Uh, but it's the a fat blank 5K and street party for charity, and it's going to be May 10th and 11th of next year. Uh, my birthday weekend. Oh, perfect. So we can, I would love to go get a t-shirt that says fat <laughs> blank on it so thank you for telling me about that one more place we can do i was show. just gonna say we could do the show from there and i can think of one or two restaurants where we can do the show down there too really mm-hmm. cozy dog i only cozy know dog the steak and shake i only know the steak, steak and, and shake, shake no we could go to the cozy dog a legendary route 66 eatery Mm-mm. what kind of free food have you gotten there <laughs> <laughs> he's angling right now yeah <laughs> I've gotten food there, none of it free. I I paid for it, just like everyone else. What kind of food do they have there? Oh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, the cozy dog is, uh, you know, it's uh, like a corn dog, cozy dog, hot dog. Uh, hot dog but drink? I had breakfast there and had some wonderful pancakes and eggs. Could I get a patty melt there? Probably, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I like a good patty melt. Yep. Been there for, for a long, long time. All right. Well, uh, we'll... <laughs> We'll go eat. We'll pan- do there. It, we'll it, go eat yeah. pancakes and then go to the fat go blank fat five k whatever five k thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> count us in. We're we're there. Uh, speaking of food, the taste of Greek Town is going on today uh, over in uh, you know your your traditional Greek Town neighborhood on Halstead Street. Uh, r- roughly Halstead and, uh, what, Jackson, Monroe, Halstead Madison. in both directions closed between Van Buren and Monroe. Yep. Until uh, 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. That's a lot of flaming cheese time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of cheese that's If you take right a bus there. through that area, the CTA is rerouting the number 8 and 126 buses. All the restaurants there uh, set up booths in front of the restaurants. And, uh, you know, you can get all your delightful food that you enjoy at the Greektown restaurants uh, and, uh, you know, sit outside and listen to music and dancing and all that sort of thing. 
Somebody on the text line says that we need to get a horseshoe if we're in Springfield. That's right, the horseshoe. Now, remind me, I've never had a horseshoe. It's a sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. I've never had a horseshoe sandwich. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look up the ingredients here because I'm having a senior moment myself on mm. that. Oh. But the horseshoe oh, is Let me a go very... check with my friend Don Porter about that. <laughs> So, a couple of people have texted in. Don Porter. Don Porter <laughs> is the actor who played <laughs> Sally Field's father on the TV show Gidget. I have no idea where that came from. When I was trying to think of Don Norton's name, I said Don Porter. But that's who Don Porter was. He was the father on Gidget. <laughs> so... Oh, boy, this show is just going to... And Don DeFore was on Hazel. The next few years on the show are going to be... I can't wait. It is going to be a spiral right into a big brick wall. I can't wait. (laughs) Jack will play the theme music and we'll hear nothing. Oh, Jack and Andy are taking over the show. All right, Jack, let's go. I'm ready. (laughs) Jack, we are going to need you. Yeah. Jack's already uh, shown his uh, dark Dean Richards uh, cynical side today. Been, I've been taking notes. He's what well, I do back he's here. Well on his way to take over the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit in the corner and complain about everything. Uh, so what's a, what is a horseshoe, horseshoe sandwich? Is a horseshoe sandwich started in Springfield. It's uh, toasted bread, a hamburger patty, like usually, yeah. with French fries and cheese sauce on top. Oh, nice. Wait a minute. So the sandwich has French fries in, on in, it. In it. On it. In it. Yes. Oh. Yeah. The fries, meat, and cheese sauce on a big piece of bread. Mm. And that is a very popular dish at the uh, State Fair, of course, yeah. in Springfield. I, I think that's where I first heard of it, is the uh, at the uh, State Fair. Right. They have a similar right. sandwich in uh, Pittsburgh. There's a, a place called Primanti Brothers. Yeah, the Philly Cheese Steak Where sandwich. they have the cheese, uh, it's like a cheeseburger, and then they have the fries and coleslaw mm-hmm. already on the sandwich. That would be good, too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I don't know if I want coleslaw in my burger. Yeah. That doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, yes, it, good. yes, it does. <laughs> oh, all right. It's awful. Now, me, Mr. Picky, I, I like it. Mr. Picky. Really? Col- yeah, I loved it. Coleslaw on a burger. Yeah, not bad at all. That doesn't sound like I I prefer my burgers without a lot of junk on them. Mm-hmm. But the people who put uh, an egg, a fried egg. I can't do that. That's no. gross. That's disgusting. No, I can't yeah, do that. that. I don't go for that. That's disgusting to me. But uh, a burger with fries on it, that doesn't seem so bad because you're probably going to have fries with your burger anyway. Right. Sure. Might as well put them on the burger instead of next to the burger. Yeah. That's what I'm going to tell the paramedic when he comes to pick me up (laughs) after after I have my grabber from From the horseshoe. (laughs) May we have your name, sir? Yes, Don Porter. I'm Don Porter. Your driver's license does not say. Where are you going, sir? The fat blank 5K. It's a cakewalk. I'm telling you, this is a show over the next few years. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you should record every single show. Yes. Because you may have to play them back because this show is dilating quickly. It's dilating? Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> All right. 
what do we have coming up? Oh, Andy, Andy Summers, I mentioned, from the, the police. That's going to be coming up. We're going to be talking with... Uh, our friend uh, that uh, Dustin Green. I'm checking my notes. <laughs> there we on, go. I'm checking my notes on everyone's name from now on carefully. Uh, Dustin Green is a grill master with Weber, and we'll talk some uh, uh, barbecuing to get ready for the Labor Day weekend. And when we come back, what's your favorite game show of all time? We started the show off today remembering Bob Barker, who passed away at the age of 99. After 50 years on daytime TV, a legend on daytime TV from The Price is Right and Truth or Consequences, uh, Adam Sandler classics. Oh, yes. Uh, It's just one of the great scenes of all time. That wouldn't make any sense if I played for you on the radio. But look it up on YouTube today. It is absolutely hilarious where uh, Adam Sandler takes a beating (laughs) By Bob Barker. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, that's great. But, uh, uh, Shwani, favorite game show of all time? I'm going to, I could name a number of them, but I think Jeopardy is at the top of no. the list. Ooh, Mr. Fancy Pants. <laughs> Ooh, Don't so, get me wrong, I love Prices Right Ooh, I'm so and Let's Make a Deal. But, I, but I'm a Jeopardy guy. You like Jeopardy? Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess I like Jeopardy too. What yeah. do you mean you guess? Well, match game is my favorite. Match that's, game? That's mine, too. Remember the dating game? Oh, I did love the dating the game. The dating game. I love the dating game and the newlywed game. And the newlywed game. What was that again? Bob Eubanks. Bob Eubanks. Bob Eubanks. That, yeah. There was always one question about Whoopi. Uh-huh. And not Goldberg. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they had to beep a lot, too. Gentlemen. <laughs> where you ask the question of the men... With the women backstage not able to hear the answers, and then right. they bring the women out to see if they can match the answers. There was another show kind of like that. That was uh, the Bert Convy and Tattletales. Oh, yes. Tattletales was good. I want to go back even further. How about to tell the truth? Oh, yeah. And what's my line? Wow. Don't forget Sale of the Century as well. Mm-hmm. Those are good shows. Those, those are all good. Very, very good shows. Uh, favorite game show of all time in honor of Bob Barker here today. 312-981-7200. Remembering Bob Barker this morning. Uh, died yesterday at age 99. Uh, host of uh, The Price is Right, Truth or Consequences, number of variety shows, maybe one of the most prominent uh, animal rights advocates of all time, along with Betty White, really, uh, reminding everyone to get those pets spayed or neutered. Uh, being remembered very fondly by a lot of people. As, as I mentioned, I think for a generation of a couple of generations really of uh, people he was the guy that you watched on tv when you stayed home from school because you were sick it's when you got to see bob barker on on tv uh so we're trying to remember some of the favorite game shows of all time 312-981-7200 is uh, our telephone number uh someone here is remembering jim lang and the host of the dating game Oh, Dating Game was one of the great shows of all time. I wish there was a channel that ran uh, the old Dating Game shows. I don't necessarily want them to reboot the show, but I I would love to see uh, those old shows uh, in all their 70s inappropriate glory someplace, you know, on a 
cable channel somewhere. I know that there are channels that run uh, old game shows, but I've never seen Dating Game on there. I would love to see that. Uh, let me see what else we have here. Supermarket Sweep with uh, David Rupert. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that show. I've seen some supermarket game shows. You don't remember Supermarket Sweep? I don't think so. Yeah, that was on in the 60s, and then I think that they uh, resurrected it. It, uh, They did a revival of it not long ago. I don't remember that one. Do you remember a game show called Video Village? Nope. Video Mm -hmm. Village. Stubby K. Oh, wow. Was the host of uh, Video Village. I don't remember the premise. I don't remember... You know, you 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 went around. It was like a big board game, and people, you know, would uh, run around these the the pieces of the board game. But I don't remember anything else except I remember watching that show, Wheel of Fortune, of course, getting a lot of mentions on our text line. Family Feud, of course, uh, some of the yeah, probably Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy are the biggest game shows of all time, right? That seems like that would be right. Who wants to be a millionaire? Remember what a big deal that was? Oh, yeah, yeah. Regis Philbin. When that yeah. first came on the air. Yes, yes. That, uh, you know, phone a friend and, uh, you know, my final choice. Yeah, you, the phrase final answer, final answer. entered the, uh, the lingo. Right, right. I remember well when Don Porter was on that show. And <laughs> he, played, <laughs> he played the game. Uh, uh, let's see what else we have. Andy Taylor, our new sports, our sports anchor. Andy is. Taylor, Andy Taylor, right? I'm getting ready for it. Uh, the original password, the original password, with uh, Alan Alan Ludden. Alan Ludden. I used to love that show. Yeah. The, you know, one of the big draws there was they would have celebrities on from right. the popular sitcoms playing with ordinary folks, ordinary people. Yeah. Yep. Yep, exactly right. Uh, the Gong Show, of course. Oh, Gong Show. Yes. Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> that was, I got a lot of that when I was a kid. Me, uh, Dean Dean, the dancing ah, machine. Ah, there you go. I wonder, did, is that where Spike got... Remember Spike used to call me uh, 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 Dean... What, what did he call me? Dino... Well, no. Dino Dino, the disco machino. Yeah. I wonder if that came from Gene Gene, the dancing machine. Next time I see Spike, I'll have to ask him that. Uh, you Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx. That was a good one. Concentration. Also another great one. Who remembers Jack Bailey's Queen for a Day? Wow. These are some of the great ones of all time. Uh, maybe if it, if it was if Match Game wasn't my favorite, which it is, Hollywood Squares with Peter Marshall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was fantastic. And Paul Lind. <laughs> Center Square. Oh boy. George Goble, bottom right. George, George Goble. Goble. Charlie Weaver. Charlie Weaver. Rosemary was Holy always there. Yeah. Yes. Smokes. Uh that was such a funny show. And I think that's another one where they had the martini bar going in the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> much like we do on this show. A lot of people don't know that we're pretty soused by the time nine o'clock rolls around every Sunday morning. The police. 1980s classic. Every little thing she does is magic. One of the most popular rock and roll bands of all time. Grammy Award winners, all inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, including our next guest on the show, the legendary guitarist for The Police, Andy Summers, who is uh, set out on uh, a tour of 
cities around North America on what he's calling a missing string tour, which he uh, plays uh, solo songs. He uh, delves into the police uh, music library and reinterprets many of the songs from the police uh, on his own on guitar. Uh, he is also uh, very much involved in photography and has uh, put up exhibits around the world, most notably at the Metropolitan Museum of Art uh, when uh, COVID hit and everything stopped. But this cracked lens and missing string tour will be uh, coming into the Chicago area. It's going to be at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts. So we've been uh, talking about a little bit earlier for Ronnie Marmo uh, bringing uh, uh, his show, The Lenny Bruce Show, to the Chicago area. The night before, Andy Summers is going to be at the North Shore Center in Skokie uh, performing as well. And we were able to catch up with him on a Zoom chat a couple of days ago to get a little bit more information on it all. What are you bringing to... uh the the tour this year what what can well i mean you know there are a lot of words you could use it's uh you know multimedia audio visual uh you know the whole thing i'm playing solo guitar which is not strictly true i'm sorry i have some i play guitar it's just me on stage but some with bragging tracks some actual solo guitar pieces you know i have a brazilian sex all kinds of music but they're all being played to uh, photographic sequences that are on the screen because you may or not know that I've got a sort of sub career as a photographer. I've photographed all over the world. And um, so, I, you know, I've worked out this show, which is, yeah, pretty interesting and exotic where, you know, like I do one whole thing on uh, China, for instance, you know, where I travel way out west and into Tibet. And I finally, you know, I've sequenced all this stuff because it's a lot of work over many years. Um, well, then I, you know, I've done some sort of fantasy things where I play to, you know, a track like Round Midnight and I did all this New York photography to it. So it is, it's really audio visual, mixed of things. There's some police stuff in there that, uh, that hasn't been seen this way before. It ends with a big uh, police collage. And of course, there's a lot of chat from me, you know, a lot of talk. So it's a sort of evening with a uh, multimedia event been going down extremely well so far now is this the the show you you were about to start a tour and then COVID happened and and is this what that is well it is it's really what it is is a continuation um i was doing this i think i got through about 11 shows we actually ended up at the metropolitan museum of art in new york sold that out and then you know you know what happened and it happened to all of us and so this is my return and and picking up the thread of doing that um we did it as well as we could at that point um i would say since then technological technological things have happened improved and and we've actually been able to uh do a better job with the whole thing you know in fact we're working it on it right now i'm trying to get on stage with no guitar amplifiers if that's possible that's what we're looking at um yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And, you know, I just did eight shows, and they were all sold out. Very nice. Um, but, um, you know, of course, doing those eight shows, I would say, oh, put that in, put that in, you know, little pieces, bits and pieces. 
Because, you know, I mean, someone like me, you know, I rehearsed in my studio. We were projecting on the wall and I'm working out all the sounds and how to do it. Um, but that's in the studio and it's just you and your, your guy. And then, of course, you get in front of an audience and there's something about the presence of an audience that really changes the whole thing up. Not that it changes it all, but you go, it, 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 it's another context. And so you sort of re-engineer what you're doing to, uh, you know, being in theatres. So, Well, you know, I, I wondered about that, the dynamic of the audience, because uh, mm. to me it's very interesting. You, who have played the biggest arenas in the yeah. world yeah. Uh, for decades, uh, choosing uh, some smaller venues like the North Shore Center. It's not a small club by any means, but it's more of like a theatrical theater that will yeah. give a sense of more intimacy, I think, yeah. with you and your stories and your photos. Uh, I'm guessing that must have been intentional. Oh, it's absolutely intentional. I see it as a theatrical show. And when you see me on stage, I'm pretty good at the chat business, you know, I'm sort of born <laughs> for the stage. No problem. So, uh, yes, it was the right place to do it. And I, you know, I, I, you know, just from, you know, lifetime of music and, you know, the way things go, I, I thought the right way to do this would be to not be overly ambitious and try and sell out several thousand a night. You know, let me, let me get used to it. And, uh, you know, you have to bring the whole thing together, like the personnel I've got with me, how we travel, how much equipment have we got, how we, you know, it's it's a number, you know, and, you know, I do have people helping me. So there's me in my personal solo single performer position, knowing myself and how I, you know, building the confidence to engage with the audience. Well, you know, I'm you know, playing very well, uh, but I, you know, then there's I'm talking as well because people expect it. So I wanted to give it a chance to go through these sort of small to medium-sized theatres and, you know, just to get the whole thing together. And, I, you know, I, last weekend I played in Houston and Dallas, beautiful theatres, and I thought that was the best we did. It with great audiences, you know, and it all went really well. And I felt, ah, oh. you know, it's strange because as the person standing in the space and, you, you, you know, your brain goes to a certain place, I'm here, you know, I'm absolutely scared to death to do this. And then you do it, you just do it. You Somehow I go into another space and I'm sort of getting used to that again. And, um, you know, you sort of find your way with it and, you know, you sort of lose fear. So the whole thing gets, you know, I mean, my, literally my hands are on the guitar and I'm playing all this stuff I know, you know, like licks and blah, 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 blah. you know, and I've, I've got certain effects I use with uh, echoes and things, and I sort of learn how to play the effects I'm using, how to work with them, how to get something out of it until you, it's, every night it's improvised. I'm improvising to all these things. This, this is not a set thing, but within the improvisations, I find ways to kind of formalize what I'm doing. I go, oh, that's a really good bit that I'm doing there with this particular echo repeat. Just remember it. And and so you start to build this new little repertoire in, in your head of how you're, you know, and in your hands of how you're going to um, play the show. When you play the songs from the police, your era of with the police, mm -hmm. uh, what goes through your mind? I mean, is it, like, oh, I have to do this. People expect it. I would rather not do this. I'd rather do my solo stuff. Does it no, bring back fond that. memories? That's, you know, yeah, that's a big, you know, muddy set of thinking. I don't want to do that. Um, so I've sort of 
recontextualized the police stuff, if you like, into the show that I'm doing. Yeah, instead of a singer, I'm playing the melodies, but I play them really well, you know, and I'm loose with it. So, you know, I, I no one's going, oh, I don't want to hear it on a guitar. No, no, that doesn't happen. People are very accepting. They see I'm standing there and I'm, you know, <laughs> doing the best I can. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. It it, so, it sounds like a really cool reimagining of yes, exactly. the songs that we grew up with. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. You know, they accept there's the guy, he he is the guitarist and he's he's playing these on the guitar. Oh, oh yeah, great. You don't want to ever lock it down like that's it. Because this you know, this was the way it was in the actual police group. We go on stage every night and there'd be new passages that we just sort of made up every night. There was never like absolutely locked down it's like we're we're all extremely good musicians and we know how to improvise be in the moment play with one another react and it's just the same for me you know because i'm in a different venue every night with a different set of people and so i try to be very present in that situation you know there's a there's so many nuances to it as a performer. You know, I have to feel good physically, you know, I try not to be tired, try to be like really feeling good. So, you know, I'm into it and I can be in that moment. It's not for everyone. It's <laughs> it is sort of akin to being an athlete. You get that 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 little mini period of time and you better be on. You know. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, uh I, I know that you you guys I did it once before, but I wonder if there's a chance that the police might ever do a reunion, anything like that ever in the future again? I'd be, it would be shocking to me. I don't think so. <laughs> After, you know, those calls I get every day from Stuart and Sting, I say, no, 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 don't call me. <laughs> because you've been there, done that, and it no, sounds like you're having really a lot of fun. No, I mean, if somebody really wanted thing. to organize that, you know, at the cost of many millions of dollars, putting that together... Sure, you know, I mean, because it is it was one of the great bands of all time, with more hits than anybody else ever. Um, there's a lot of joy in it, you know. It would, it, but I don't think it's going to ever come back together. And I, I don't sit around wishing it at, at all. Yeah, the uh, there is no uh, uh, love lost between the members of uh, the police sadly so we probably will never get a reunion like that again but in the meantime you can check out the legendary guitarist andy summers he will be at the north shore center for the performing arts in skokie it's going to be september 8th north shore center for the performing arts in skokie tickets available at andysummers.com or if you go to the north shore center's website there you go, our A-list interview for this week. Andy Summers, the guitarist for The Police, their hit song, uh, Every Breath You Take. Uh, there are so many. You can catch him at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts in Skokie. It's going to be September the 8th, and uh, yeah, it should be a, a great show. Sounds like he does a lot of chat with the audience. I've never actually seen him do the solo his solo show uh but it sounds like he tells lots of stories and uh lots of you know inside stuff it's very interesting he has absolutely no interest in going backwards and reuniting uh for any kind of uh, uh police reunion i guess they tried it once 
and uh, they, it didn't work out for, I, I don't want to speculate why, but uh, it didn't work out. And now uh, I, I've uh, spoken with Sting. I've interviewed Sting, and he had no interest in doing it. Uh, Andy Summer has no interest in doing it. So I don't know if it's personal or just, you know, it's been there, done that. I kind of uh, get that and understand that, I suppose. Uh, still to come on the program, we're going to get into our food time show. Uh, we're going to be talking barbecue today because we're not going to have a food time show next week. Uh, we get into our fall football preemption season next week. Although I think, we, don't we have baseball next week? There's, there's, no, it's Northwestern uh, football ah, kicking North, off the it's season Northwestern next week. Western yeah. football. Yes. So when do you and your little uh, football buddies get together? Two weeks from today. Hamp and OB. Yes. Are you looking forward to it? As a matter of fact, yes, because uh, it's been a long summer without them. I've missed them. <laughs> Have you? Yeah, it's been, it's it's a fun show to do because these guys are so genuine and they're they're really down to earth, nice guys, and fun to watch a game with. And it's it's also fun for me to listen to them talk about the game because obviously they know more about it. Uh, you know, than, than most than me. anybody. Than no, than most anybody yeah. in the world. I mean, firsthand experience, obviously, from both of those guys in different yeah. eras of football. Right, but, right, uh, right. It's, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of fun. So you do uh, the pregame with them first, right? Before Correct. the game starts, right? Uh, and then you actually go down the hall into our conference room, right? Where uh, there are sides of beef. <laughs> Uh, hanging slabs in the meat locker. <laughs> slabs in the meat locker. Yeah, you saw you saw that scene in the movie Rocky. Uh-huh. That's what it's like. That's in our exactly what it's room. like. Uh, as they watch the game, I've I've uh, uh, I haven't actually gone in to watch the game with them because I'm afraid they'll hurt me. No, 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 no. But I've my my office is just right down the hall, so I can hear them screaming and yelling. There's uh, a lot of that. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, they get all the testosterone worked up and bring it all into the, the studio, and Andy has to somehow corral all of that. Right. I, I put my referee shirt on for the post game, and I have a whistle just in case uh, there's any penalties. Well, isn't the, the whistle just to call the police if it gets out of hand? Well, that's true, too. I have a little setup on my phone, too, where I just push one button, and uh, yeah. It's like a 911. They're all here, yeah, yeah. within minutes. Uh, so that starts two weeks from today. <laughs> two weeks from today, yeah, we'll uh, we'll start the pregame and Happen OB. Get ready to uh, hopefully enjoy a, a decent bear season this year, because last year was nothing but uh, disappointment all all the way around. What's your take on uh, with preseason? Because we've had a yeah. few ups, but we've had a few more downs lately. Yeah, too. it's kind of hard to say. Maybe the the biggest concern I think for the Bears coming out of uh, the preseason right now is the health of the offensive line. They've uh, had a couple of key starters go down to injuries. Not exactly sure how long they're going to be out, but it's a big day, a big week in the NFL because teams have to cut their rosters from the, uh, the training camp r- roster of 90 players down to 53 by Tuesday. So there'll be a lot of uh, big names out there. So in case the Bears need some help on the offensive line, I'm sure there are going to be some guys that were uh, cut by other teams that, uh, you know, what do they say, that one man's trash is another man's treasure? Right. Yeah. There will be no shortage of opinions, that's for sure. No, that's the truth, uh, and that's the thing I enjoy the most, because Hamp and OB don't always agree. Yeah, yeah, it's complete honesty. Yeah. I, I do love that. Um, and I'm sure there will be uh, plenty of talk about Steve McMichael. Yeah. Uh, now, 
pretty much a, a sure thing going into the Football Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, it's about as close as you can get to being a sure thing without actually being official. He made the, the list of the finalists uh, in the senior category, three uh, three finalists. All three finalists uh, in the senior category went in this past year, and now they have a vote in January right around the Super Bowl. This committee of 50 members will get together, and you need to get 80% of that vote. And if you do, then you're in. And it's pretty much a sure thing that Mongo will get it. You know, it's looking that way. You know, you hate to when put. Do, when do they do the vote? When, it, when is that going to happen? It's the uh, the, uh, the end of January. Okay. So, and I know from you know from uh, talking on the air with other uh, hosts, we uh, we had his wife on with Lisa Dent the other day, and she said that all of this is really booing his spirits. Oh, good. You know, and he's listening to everything and smiling, and uh, it's it's great to hear. Uh, it, yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I guess uh, Jared Payton is going to be inducting him. How about that? He's going to set something. happened. He, he's going to set a record. Yeah, Michael or um, Steve McMichael asked Jared uh, to do this. Yeah. Obviously, because of his closeness with Jared's dad, right. uh, Walter Payton. And Jared inducted Walter Payton into the, into the Football Hall of Fame as a youngster. And now we'll have an opportunity to do it again. Which yeah. is incredible. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. You're going to have some sports coming up in a minute, right? You got that right. All right. Well, let's do this. May I share a, a text that is poured in? Well, please do. Mm-hmm. We love hearing from our listeners here each and every Sunday. Best in the world. Uh, yeah, for, the, they, mo- for yeah. the most part. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe maybe this few, one is a, a few rotten little... apples in the barrel. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. For the most part. Okay. For the most part, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, What did you say your name was again? <laughs> don't, don't ask. Don't ask. I can't remember. Uh, but, uh, you know, we get lots of very interesting input, uh, ideas, uh, helpful. You know, sometimes we're wondering about this or that. And, uh, you know, listeners will remember something that we don't. But, uh, you know, we get uh, some nice comments every once in a while also. Like the one that I just had up here, and that uh, Jack, go in and show him how to use the screen. Here. How do you? What do you call this uh, <laughs> World Wide Web thing that you kids seem to like so much? No, I <laughs> I had one uh, open here a second ago. I'll I'll just uh, paraphrase. Uh, it was the eight four seven area code that said, "I'm sitting here in the Costco parking lot, laughing my head off." <laughs> I don't want to go in the store because I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. something. (laughs) That's real. That is a compliment. Thank you. Very much so, yeah. Thank you. If you have to choose between us and and, uh, buying necessary uh, 50 pounds of honey roasted peanuts, (laughs) (laughs) that's the choice uh, that uh, one makes. (laughs) The uh, Costco near my house just started uh, where you can uh, check out your own groceries. Yes. Oh, you mean a self-service? Self-service. Oh, uh, before it was uh, all uh, all uh, cashiers. People, yeah, people, real people doing, helping you with. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the the self-serve. So then I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> Do you cover up your cart when you go I, in there? Oh, with, uh, I think we've established that years ago. The, yeah. So whether it's whether it's at your friendly neighborhood Jewel or Costco, you will still cover up the groceries because when I'm buying ninety pounds of uh, red meat, <laughs> I don't want to be judged by, especially at Costco, because you're buying you know gigantic portions. You have to buy gigantic right. portions of everything there. 
So I really don't want to be judged there. Okay. Uh, so, yes. Boy, if I was sitting in the car listening to this, I would say, what a waste of time <laughs> that one. We'll get into our food time show in just a couple of minutes. As we were uh, chatting with Andy a few minutes ago, uh, we would get into fall football preemption season starting next week. Uh, so we'll be, uh, Shwani, I know this is going to break your heart that next week I'm only here until 1030. I know. Do you miss me already? I do. <clears throat> it's a little dry in here, I guess. <clears throat> Humidity. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the California fires. <laughs> it's the smoke from the California. It's that fires. dry heat that we had uh, earlier in the Oof. week. Andy experienced the uh, the yeah. burning the burning winds. Andy Taylor, our uh, new uh, sports anchor, our, our new sports Taylor. Andy Porter, correct. Everyone's yeah. going to be a Porter on the show from now on. <laughs> out in Dean uh, Porter, out in Spokane, Porter. Washington. Is where I experienced that. Andy last was weekend, on vacation yeah. last week uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. And you said that you had a really hard time breathing. Yeah, it was interesting. We uh, we flew into uh, Spokane, I think, on last Friday, and then uh, in the afternoon and last Friday evening, they closed uh, Spokane's airport because the wildfires were so close. Oh, wow! And you could just absolutely smell it everywhere you went. And I know that we had that uh, that bad air quality. Uh, what was it about a month or so ago right. from the Canadian wildfires? Yep. This was magnified by about five. Wow! And it was really bad. I'm still feeling, you know, a little in my throat because of just all like the irritation. Little, like yeah. a little Bernie. Yeah, a little burning. irritation. And we went to a, a wedding at Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and it's supposed to be beautiful. <laughs> I say supposed to be because we could barely see anything through the haze. Really? It was, yeah. the, it was that thick. That's yeah. too bad because the Pacific Northwest... Uh, is absolutely gorgeous. Shwani, you've been right to many the, times. Yeah, it's oh, beautiful yeah. up there. It's, yeah, it's, it, it might be, in my opinion, the most beautiful part of the United States. It certainly is the up there. Pacific Northwest. Lots yep. of green, lots of water. Yeah, it's gorgeous, and you weren't able to enjoy it. No, um, even on a boat in the middle of the uh, of the lake uh, Lake Coeur d'Alene, because we were taking a, a boat from uh, this resort to where the uh, the event was, and all I could see was the water in front of us in a little, little thick haze over the trees because it's a big forest area over there. But the one cool thing is, for all you golfers out there, this course has a, a, a green in the lake. What? It's a par three. You need to take a water taxi from land where the tee box is to the green and back because there's nothing else that connects the, the land to the to the green. Well, that's pretty cool. And it just floats out there, and it's the coolest. Everybody else is snapping pictures when we're on the boat of, like, the trees and the smoke, and I'm, I'm shooting pictures of the island green. Yeah. I'm loving that. I want to play that course very badly. Wow, that's that I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The only, uh, Shwani, I think it's, this uh, is the same for you. The only golf courses that we play have uh, windmills and clowns. Clowns mouths, yeah. <laughs> clowns mouths. Bowling <laughs> pins, yeah. And you shoot the ball into. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, the, uh, a replica of the Eiffel Tower. Right. <laughs> Good call. Exactly. No, seriously, uh, Andy, just yesterday we were talking about, yeah. now, I haven't played a real round of golf in probably seven or eight years. and He keeps threatening like to, to get take out me again. out there, and he just never comes through on, the, on a date. Well, do you want the uh, the Eiffel Tower golf course, or no, do no. you want the open I clown want the, mouth? I want the fairways and greens. You want fairways and I would greens. say count your blessings on That's that. That's a good point. I think that's... The last time I played 
it might be 10 or 15 years. Really? Uh, and I, I was invited into a foursome. Okay. And I said, I'm, I'm terrible at this. And I said, I have, I'm just going to goof around the whole time. I'm out here to enjoy the nice weather, have a couple of beverages along right. the way. Uh, I'm not out here to take this seriously. Oh, no, no, come on. It'll be fun. It'll be great. By about the second or third hole, they asked me to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I got kicked out of my foursome. That's funny. See, I have to I have to start practicing because the uh, the week you're enjoying the you're enjoying that a little too much. He is enjoying it too much. I wasn't concentrating. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, well, I have to practice because the week of Thanksgiving, we're heading out to uh, my wife's parents' place in, in Las Vegas, and my in laws are tremendous golfers. Mm-mm. They golf every day. My mother in law wins tournaments oh, wow. out there, and. They they are so into it. They sold one of their cars and now have two golf carts and a car. Oh my gosh! Yeah, about that. So they're serious about it. So you got to practice up. Yeah, and I usually play with my father in law on Thanksgiving uh, Day in a scramble out there. So it's. Uh, Do you want me to go along? So by yeah. com- by comparison, you'll look like a genius next to me, and you, then they'll I, ask you to leave. Do you golf left handed? I do. So golf do I. Left-handed. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. So that would be fun. We can uh, we can uh, really wreck things out yeah. there. I'm left-handed, and I play right-handed. Hmm. Well, another layer of the onion is peeled. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is that true? Yes, it is true. And I swing a baseball bat right-handed. Interesting. I swing a baseball but bat But I have left-handed. to throw the baseball with my left hand. I cannot throw wow, anything uh... with my right hand. And I'm the opposite. I bat left-handed and throw with my right hand. I do everything lefty. Yeah. I'm lefty all the way. There's your new name, I'll Lefty. I bet that guy went into the Costco. <laughs> oh, that guy! That guy drove his he drove his car into the wall. The he just threw the window. He's just like, I can't take yeah. this anymore. Award-winning food time. Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show, the original all things edible program. Here, talking about cooking, preparing, dining out. Cover it all, and we have for decades. Dig into some grilling info today. As we've been mentioning, uh, we begin fall football preemption season next week, so that actually won't be a a food time show next week. So I thought we'd get our grilling in a little bit early to get ready for the Labor Day weekend, the traditional end of the summer season. Although I hope you're not going to stop grilling. Uh, just because Labor Day comes along. Plus, uh, as weird and as wacky and as devastating as the weather has been, uh, horrible in some cases, but uh, certainly very different than what you might call you know traditional summer in Chicago, I think we're still going to have plenty of hot weather ahead and uh, plenty of grill time still ahead of us. I love being on the grill. Uh, I love being out there and trying new things, uh, I love uh, bringing some of these things to you on my weekly uh, television cooking segment on WGN TV morning news. We're going to be doing some outdoor grilling this coming uh, Wednesday. I'll tell you more about that later on. But let me bring in Dustin Green, uh, who's been on the show with us several times, the director of Weber Grill Academy, the head grill master. Uh, Dustin, good to have you back on the show. How are you doing there, my friend? 
doing great, Dean. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, are, are you? You must be excited about this. Uh, 365 days a year, right? To uh, you know, of new grilling ideas and new things that you can do uh, out on the grill, right? Well, you know, we we do grill 365, and, and like you mentioned, though, that the summer season is starting to kind of get a little wrapping it up. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with grilling in fall. We grill in the winter, the spring. It's just like you know what? If you can get outside, there, there's nothing better to do than just try to get some fresh air and fire up that grill. Yeah. Now. Uh, in terms of popularity, uh, which what kind of grill are the most popular right now? Are they the old-fashioned kettle grills on which you'd put charcoal? Are they, you know, the gas grills? I see uh, these griddles everywhere these days. Everyone is either getting, uh, you know, a new gr- gr- griddle grill uh, or putting some kind of device on their old conventional grills that allows them to griddle. You know, a little of both. You know, we, we always have the charcoal enthusiasts. We always have our, our gas enthusiasts. They love it. But, you know, you, you did. You alluded to it with the, the griddles. And we have standalones and we have inserts. And people are just loving the, the, the versatility of these griddles these days. You know, the, the food that you're able to cook and the meals that you're able to, to really start uh, serving your families. It's, it just opens up such a vast variety of of different stuff, and, and you can still grill and do all that great stuff, but, I mean, now we're talking about breakfast and fried rice and some blackened fish and all these different things that, that these griddles allow us to do. Well, let's let's start off with griddles, then, since that seems to be all the rage uh, right now. Uh, what, are, what are the most popular things to do? I'm not sure that I'm 100% uh, signing on to the, the griddle craze. I know a lot of people love it. <laughs> I just feel like if I'm in a griddle... I could just as easily cook inside my house. Well, you know, the, the great part about the griddle is it's, you know, with it being outside, it, it makes cleanup a little bit easier. But like like you said, though, it's like foods were, that we know people love to do. It's like you take your breakfast, and there's nothing better than going out on a Saturday morning. You fly your, 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 your griddle up and you throw your bacon and your eggs, your pancakes, French toast, and you can just start your day outside, and, and it's, it makes inside, you know, you don't make a mess. It's just, you know, the griddle's easy. You scrape it off. You wipe it down when you're done, and you wrap it up, and you go about your day. I guess. I I, um, I guess that makes a big difference, I suppose. Yeah, the, the cleanup factor is always, uh, you know, if often ignored by a lot of chefs, but somebody's got to clean up that stuff. Well, don't get me wrong. I, I love making bacon in the morning, but we all know it's, you put your little thing on your, on your stovetop and the bacon pops, and next thing you know, you got grease all over your counters and all that. But, you know, outside, it stays on that griddle top, and like I said, you scrape it into the, to the grease management system, you wipe it down, and it's, it's ready to go for the next time. It's, yeah. it's just easy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You, you may have convinced me a little more. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm inching a little closer to your way of thinking on this. Uh, give me some, some really good uh, griddle recipes uh, let's let's start off with uh, you know like a nice for the Labor Day weekend. You're having some people over for dinner. You want to show off your new griddle. What are some things that you're going to do on there? You know, if I'm looking for quick, easy, nice things to do, you can do like an Oklahoma smash burger. You know, you put some nice onions down on that griddle top, a little bit of oil. Take a, a ball of ground beef, three to four ounces, and then, and then you smash it. So you use your uh, a spatula or a, uh, a griddle press, and you just make this thing about a quarter of an inch thick. And what it does is when it when it touches that griddle top, you just get this beautiful, even caramelization. They, they cook in about two and a half, three minutes, tops quick. 
the onions are caramelized and, and you put it between a bun with a little bit of, uh, you know, whatever else you're looking to put for your fixings. And it's just a nice, easy, great tasting, flavorful dish that, that, that's going to be done really quick. Now, how, what's your feeling about other stuff that goes on burgers? We were talking about this earlier in the show. I'm not a fan of overdoing it with uh, my burgers. I like to be able to taste the beef. Uh, this time of year, if I can get a, a slice of beefsteak tomato on there, I'm in heaven. Uh, some nice crispy lettuce, I'm in heaven. But people start piling on other things on the burgers. That's where they lose me. Well, where, where do you stand on this? What do you like to put uh, on a like the smash burger that you just uh, described? First of all, just one or two patties are you going to put on there? I like two patties because, you, you know, with the four-ounce ball, by the time it cooks down, you're at about three ounces of beef. So you put two of them on there, you got nice six ounces of meat. You can still fit it in your mouth when you're going to bite down on that burger. But but I'm with you. Like, you, people start piling these toppings on there, and next thing you know, I need a, a, a fork and a knife to, to eat a burger. And, and to me, that that's not what I want to do. I want to be able to pick this thing up. I want to be able to enjoy it. You know, sometimes they're messy, sometimes they're not. That's okay. But if I can't, like, take a nice bite out of it without having to smush it down to me, that's too much stuff on there. Yeah, what kind of cheese do you like to put? I, I like a nice cheeseburger. I like a nice sharp cheddar on there, just my own personal taste. But I mean, what's your, what's your favorite? What? But tell me, what are, what are uh, Dustin Green's favorite toppings on a, a burger? <laughs> you know, for me, a simple uh, lettuce. Uh, I, I, believe it or not, I'm not a huge raw tomato person. I like tomato sauce when it's cooked, but I don't care for raw tomato. Huh. Uh, mayonnaise. I do like ketchup. Uh, I'm a pepper jack cheese person. I like a little bit of a uh, little bit of heat, not too much, okay. but a little bit. All right. And then lettuce. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty simple. And we could go buck crazy and we can put like, you know, I do like bacon, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it, the beef, let the beef do what it's supposed to do. Have a nice, flavorful burger. Right. You know, sometimes you people, you just put too much stuff on there and it just, it, it you lose things. It loses what, what you want to do with it. Yeah, I know a lot of people like it, but I but my pet peeve is the fried egg on top of your burger. It's like, are you, are you even going to be able to taste the beef that's in there with, with that on there anyway? I mean, I like a nice fried egg, but I just don't want it on my uh, burger. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to try to like convince you about the raw uh, tomatoes, especially this time of year, Dustin, right off the vine in my backyard, a nice tomato. Oh my gosh. It's so delicious. I would try it. I wouldn't say I would. I'd definitely try it. <laughs> but for me, tomato, too, when, even when I put them on burgers, and I'll serve them that way, but it's got to be the right thickness, right? You, know, you put, like, a too thick of a, a piece of tomato on there, and once again, you're kind of drowning out that burger and the rest I of what's there. I agree. I agree. It has to be just the right proportions. All right, let me take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, get some more recipes. Uh, people have questions about all things Weber, equipment, recipes, or otherwise. Dustin's the guy to answer your question, the director of the Weber Grill Academy, the head grill master for Americas, 312-981-7200. talking some grilling today on our Food Time Show with Dustin Green, the director of the Weber Grill Academy, the head grill master, taking your calls, questions, 312-981-7200, recipe ideas, recipe questions, equipment questions. Dustin's here to uh, answer any and all for you. So I love doing pizza on the grill, uh, Dustin. What 
walk me through your way of uh, doing some great pizza on the grill. You know, I try to keep it uh, easy. You know, there really is. There's, there's two ways we could we could put our uh, raw pizza dough onto the grate, grill it on one side, take it off, top it, and then finish it. Or we could take, uh, you know, we have a, it's called the Crafted Outdoor Kitchen Collection, where we have a pizza stone, and we can put that into our Genesis gas grill, and uh, or even our spirit line, and literally let that stone heat up. We make our pizza, you put your sauce, your toppings on it, you put it in there, and you let the grill just convection heat cook and do what it's going to do. And, uh, you know, they're both super easy ways, and they're great ways to just kind of let people top them with however they want and, and keep it nice and simple. So are you saying to take the dough whether you make it yourself or you can buy uh, dough that's just ready to be spread out now and put it directly on the grills? Correct. Yeah, so if you have a you know, gas or charcoal, electric, whatever grill you're using, you get it up to about 450 degrees, you stretch your dough, you give it a nice, even, you don't need a ton, but a little bit of oil on there to help it to release from that grill grate. Mm-hmm. About two and a half minutes on that side, you take it off. And then you have that beautiful grill mark. You have that facing up, and that's just when you sauce it and top it with whatever you want and put it back on to finish. And it just gives it a little bit extra flavor, a little bit extra nice little crunch to it. And, you know, it's really awesome. So you're saying that one side on the grill to get the grill marks, you take it off. And then are you flipping it over and putting the uh, ingredients, your toppings, on the side that you, you just grilled, and now the raw side is on the bottom again? Correct. Correct. Okay. And so it's like a, it's kind of like your par cooking yeah. that pizza dough. And then once you take it off and you're, you're literally looking at that grill mark yeah. that you just put on there, two and a half to three minutes. Yep. And then finish it with your sauce and toppings and put that uh, put it right back on the grill with that raw side on the bottom and let it just finish doing what it's going to do. Uh, I assume that you're doing that in an indirect cooking method, right? You can on like a low to medium heat, about 400 degrees, you can stay direct. If what you find, what we find is if you don't shred your own cheese, sometimes that cheese takes a little bit extra time to melt when you buy that pre-shredded stuff. Just yeah. cause there's a, they put it, they put an anticoagulant in it just yeah. to kind of, so that the, the cheese doesn't stick together. Yeah. Try to, try to you, grate it yourself if you can. It's uh, it's much tastier, yeah. but melts much better also. Yeah. And, and that's, that's when I find that I got to bring an, uh, an indirect element into it is if I use a cheese like that, but otherwise if you, you know, like I said, about 400 degrees, and you let it do its thing with that lid closed. It comes out in about eight eight to ten minutes total cook time. Okay. All right. I did some uh, calzones on the grill, basically a pizza that I've, you know, put the toppings and then folded over uh, that I used the pizza stone on because I had, I don't know, like six or eight calzones on one stone, uh, and they turned out fantastic. You know, and it's nice uh, – you know, easy to grab one once they cool down. Easy to, it's kind of like finger food almost. That sounds incredible. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, it, it turned out pretty good. And I'm thinking when I on my TV segment this week, I like doing variations of pizzas. I'm thinking of doing like um, a French bread cut in, cut in half and then um, almost like a pizza bread where I'm going to put the sauce on toppings whatever put it in some foil and then on the grill so everything will kind of cook inside the uh the foil foil packet if you know what i mean mm-hmm. does that sound feasible to you 
it does. I, I think it depends on what you're going to put in there to, uh, you know, are you going to keep your bread together as like a hole when you slice it, or are you going to leave it open and then put your stuff on it? Open, yeah, open and then put the stuff on it. Open, like an open face yeah, I, sandwich. Yeah, I think it would. It definitely would work. My, my one thought would be maybe try to, you could even like grill like the open side of the bread and then top it with your stuff and throw it in that uh, wrap. It might give it a little extra crunch to it. Nice, nice. So uh, split the bread in half. Uh, get the grill yep. marks on on the cut side, and then uh-huh. and then do the topping and the foil and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it might help with those. It, it, actually, I think it'd be a really fun, cool texture to add a little bit of crunch to it and, and even flavor, maybe. Good. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic idea. Uh, here's the three oh nine area code. We made grilled pizzas last night for my daughter's twenty fourth birthday. Everyone raved. We did it on indirect heat on a green egg. Now, that's an intense heat on the green egg, isn't it? You know, it depends on how they had it set up. But it, it, it could have been. And it, depending on the pizza, though, too, I know you you like to make a lot of pizzas. And, you know, if you're doing like a Neapolitan uh, style or like uh, the thinner crust pizza, uh, pizzas, you really want a high heat anyways to begin with because that crust is going to cook so quick and the toppings, the cheese are going to melt. So I can see it working really nice. Yeah. Ellen, you're on WGN with Dustin Green from Weber. Hi. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I was wondering, um, which vegetables are best to cook on a grill? You know, Hello? honestly, yes, I'm here. Uh, honestly, all of them. Um, oh, okay. Is there anything specific that you're looking for? I mean, because like, we, we grill zucchini and squash, asparagus, tomatoes, uh, cauliflower, broccoli, green beans, uh Brussels sprouts. I mean, honestly, depending on the cut size, you can grill them right on the grate, or you can get what what's a use a vegetable basket, which is ultimately a grill pan that you put on there and preheat, and then you can grill your vegetables right in that pan. So, really, honestly, you, you can grill everything. Do you have some, okay? Do you have something that's your favorite, uh, Ellen? Or something? well, what I was wondering, could I also wrap it in foil instead of buying one of those grills? Because I don't have a Weber grill; I can't afford one of those. <laughs> <laughs> But is foil a good way to wrap up those vegetables? It, it is, and the, the foil does a nice job. It just depends if you're trying to, you know, what foil does a little bit, it steams a little bit sometimes. So if you're looking to get a little crunchiness to your vegetables, you might have a little hard time getting that. But it will work, and it will cook them. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, you, thank you very much. You know what you could do, Ellen, and Dustin, uh, yeah. correct me if you think I'm I'm wrong about this, but uh, what I might try as I might take a couple of layers of the heavy-duty aluminum foil, you know, so, you've, oh. so you have a little thickness, poke a few holes in it, and then put your vegetables. Let's say Brussels sprouts. I love my Brussels sprouts on the grill. I would put the Brussels sprouts in there with some olive oil, and uh, by putting those holes in the foil, it won't steam anymore. It'll actually grill up a little bit, and I might even leave the top open. I might not enclose it like a packet. Does that make any sense, or am I just talking crazy here, Dustin? No, I, I actually I think it would work, because you're right. If you let that steam kind of escape, it's, it's going to you know cycle the air through it and give you that convection heat. It, it, it should work nice. I think you're, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like a poor man's grill basket that, you, you know, there that, you go. <laughs> that Dustin was uh, talking about. And you know what? This time of year also, by the way, at the end of the year, a lot of the stores have these aluminum uh, grill sheets 
uh, uh, I've, I've bought them at Jewel. They're like a dollar. And uh, I I like using them because, and I I do asparagus on there. I do my Brussels sprouts on there, zucchini, things like that. I use them just because stuff doesn't fall in the grill, but also for cleanup. Oh, you can't beat these aluminum things. You just let it cool off and throw it away. Yeah. What about cooking corn on the cob with the husk on? Can you do that? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, the, yeah, I tried to jump in there. I, yeah, go ahead, Dustin. I, I, I actually, I, I like to call it my lazy man's corn because like, I <laughs> just, if you get get the nice fresh stuff, you want it, you know, that nice green color, make sure that it's got some moisture on it when you when you pick it up at the store. I literally right. throw it on at about 400, 450 degrees uh, direct heat, and it takes about 20 minutes to, to start to, to really have some nice color to it, and it comes out perfect. You know, just as long wow. as you start with a nice fresh sweet corn, it's great. Do you soak it in water or anything first, Dustin? I, I honestly know, Dean, I don't. don't? I, I, I just look for the nice, fresh stuff, and I just take it right into the husk. I put it on there, and it, it comes out great. Oh, I'm, Ellen, I'm telling you what. Wow. There is, there is no greater joy in the world than corn that you have roasted on the grill because all the sugars in the corn caramelize. Uh, right. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Then you can put a big glob of butter on it after it's done. <laughs> if you twisted my arm, I suppose I would have to put a big glob of butter. There you go. There you go. Well, thank it. you very much. Thanks for the great nice questions. Nice talking to you both. Thanks, Ellen. You oh. too. I appreciate the, the good calls. Uh, the uh, Let me see here. 630 area code. Could uh, I get some tips on grilling fish? Done right. It's delicious. But fish, for me, is sometimes unforgiving. Uh, what, what do you what do you say to that, Dustin? You know, fish. You're right, though. Fish is a touchy thing, and if it's grilled, if it's grilled too long, it tends to dry out. You undercook it. People are, are turned off a little bit by it. But it, you know, depending on the fish, and you know, I, I oil and salt and pepper all of them. You know, sometimes it's skin on, sometimes skin off. I always go flesh side down, like the meat side, um, down onto the grill first. Depending on how thick it is, I'll grill it for direct heat for. You know, five, six minutes, get a nice mark, turn it over. I personally, and I know everybody's got a different doneness they like with their fish. You know, for like salmon, I like to pull salmon about 135-ish. You know, some people might think that's a little low. Uh, carryover for me brings it up a little bit. But I, I like it to have, it, it's cooked through, but it still has a little bit of hue of, uh, like, that it's not dried out. Yeah, yeah. I I get that. I get that. Uh, I I'm, I'm going to try that because I've heard that from so many people, putting the flesh side down first to get the grill marks and then flipping it over. Because I usually do skin side down and basically let mm-hmm. it let it bake on my grill, and then I just I take it right off of I, I get a spatula and go between the flesh and the skin and take it off that way. But I, then now I don't have any grill marks on it. I think it would be a, a little more visually pleasing if I had those grill marks. But you got to oil it because some of the the fish also is a little more delicate and might fall apart. Yeah, you're 100 percent correct. And I and, and I've made the mistake over the years too. It's one of those things you learn from after you do it once or twice. You know, and, and you don't put enough oil on there. You, even when you think you got enough oil, and it doesn't need to be sopping and sitting in it. Just a nice coat that it's you know it's going to release from the grill. But you know the other part too. You, 
if, if you don't preheat your grill long enough and your grates aren't hot enough to, to create that separation, you're really starting off in a bad place anyway. Right, right. Now, uh, do, you, do you oil the grill itself? I do. I, I clean the grill, and then I take some paper towel with uh, uh, oil on it, and I, I also oil the uh, uh, grill, the grates, uh, and, and then the meat, so nothing sticks. Yeah, and if it works, it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I tend to find sometimes, and it depends on what temperature you heat your grill to, I just don't want that oil to burn off the grates. And as long as you're oiling your food, too, to make sure that you, you have a, a good barrier, you're, you're, you're good. You know, that's the biggest thing. We want okay. that oil to help create caramelization and create separation. Okay. Once, once again, I'm taking it one step too far. Uh, 60, <laughs> 608 area code. Do you have any ideas for grilling squash or pumpkin for the fall? Wow. You know, uh, it, those are great questions. And I like to take either one of them. You know, it depends if you got the pumpkin or you have a squash, depending on the size. For me, I like to, to break them down to a little bit smaller pieces. You scoop the seeds out, hit them with a little bit of butter, and then bake them. Uh, but not bake them, but put them on the grill so that they start to really, you know, get soft and get nice. But by opening them up and, and exposing more of that meat flesh of, of the pumpkin or squash to it, we're able to just get more flavor on it. The more caramelization, the more color, the more we can get those sugars to to start the brown, the better, the sweeter those things are going to be. And they're pretty darn sweet anyways as we get into the fall and it's in season. Right, right. I saw um, Steve R- Rakeland, uh, you know, on, on uh, Channel 11, on the, my, my Saturday of cooking shows. Uh, he was doing some yes. butter, butternut squash on the grill. Uh, cut it in half. Mm-hmm. As, cut it in half, yep. as you say, scoop the seeds out. Uh, coated the inside with some olive oil and some butter. And uh, mm-hmm. let it let it cook. I think he had it like, I want to say it was like four hundred degrees indirect uh, on the grill. And the you know these butternut squash, uh, you know they came out nice and brown and golden, caramelized. You know from being in the grill, nice and soft. He let it cool, scooped out the inside, uh, and uh, it looked absolutely delicious. Does a great job. I, I would do, I would do the exact same thing that he did. Like his temperature, he's spot on. I I would replicate that. Yeah, it looked it looked super delicious. Let me take a break and we'll get to some more questions. Uh, Dustin Green, the uh, Grill Academy headmaster, with us today. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Twelve fifty three. Dean Richards on our food time segment on WGN. We're going to be doing some grilling on my television cooking segment this coming Wednesday morning at about nine thirty five. Dustin, we've got somebody uh, with a question from the six three zero area code. What percentage of fat should I have in a good smash burger? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. I. Personally, I'm an 80-20 person. I think it's just a perfect uh, blend of that lean to the fat, it, it, and it just it cooks so nice. It keeps it nice and juicy for that burger, and, you know, the 80-20 is just nice. Yeah, you want uh, some of the fat in there. Uh, fat is flavor, right? I mean, that's where the flavor lives. Exactly. No, it's a, it, we preach that, you know, honestly. Fat's flavor. As long as you keep it, you know, you cook it at that right temperature. You know, you're doing smash burgers on the griddle. I like to do high heat. It's perfect. They get a nice, beautiful caramelization. That fat renders down, keeps that burger nice and moist. You flip it. Simple. 
224 area code asked, does Weber make a griddle insert for the Weber Traveler that I won on WGN? That's that little portable uh, grill, isn't it, the Traveler? It is. It is. It's, uh, it has two wheels. It folds up real nice. It has some hydraulic legs. And, I mean, for, for the great system on that grill, it has two porcelain enamel-coated uh, cast iron grates that fit in there. And we do have an insert for a griddle that fits in, and it's a half size for that grill. And, um, you know, it turns that thing into a griddle as well, and it just, you know, that, that, that grill's unstoppable. You know, we talk about tailgating coming up starting next week. That grill is just a perfect, perfect you know, type that you could use for that. Yeah, I have one of those at home that I use for uh, tailgating when we've done my TV cooking segment uh, from remote locations. Uh, I've I've taken that uh, traveler, folded it up, put it in the back of my car, and uh, it's it's so easy to move around. Uh, it's 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 a good one, and you know, if there's a grill grill insert uh, for it, even great, even greater, but. Um, like a, a griddle that you can buy in the store probably would sit right on top of the grates also, right? It could, yes. You know, we even have a, an insert for our crafted collection. It's a, you know, like a plancha circular insert. You can set that right on the grates, too, and it's got a nice one-inch lip on it. It helps keep the, you know, when you're cooking and searing your food in there, it does a nice job of keeping everything together. Yeah, the the insert probably, the actual insert is probably better because then, you can uh, get the grease off of there. It's not going to build up. Uh, it'll, it'll go right into the drip area where it's supposed to go, I think, right? No, 100% correct. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a big difference when you're doing some griddling uh, out there. Uh, somebody asked, you're talking about doing vegetables on the grill. How do you season your veggies? What do you, what do, you do to them? I just put olive oil and maybe a little salt and pepper uh, on them, but I don't, I don't overdo it with vegetables myself. I, you know what? I'm the same. I, I I'm a, a I just love oil, salt, and pepper, and everything. It just it, it lets the natural flavors of all the food just kind of do what they're going to do. And if I'm going to introduce a flavor to something, it's typically it's it's a marinade or it's a sauce that I'll put on to finish it with. And you know, I just want it to to be. I don't know. I just love the naturals of just that oil, salt, and pepper. What it does for food. Yeah, same here. Same here. Uh, maybe one exception when I do uh, my Brussels sprouts on the grill, I start off with just olive oil olive oil and some salt mm-hmm. and pepper and uh grill them uh, nice and slow because uh th- those can char up on you pretty fast so i do them nice and slow but when they're done i'll put a sprinkle of balsamic vinegar or a balsamic glaze on top of it and a- adds a little sweetness to it, to the whole thing i've had them where people also take some bacon uh chop it up mm-hmm. and and put that in with the brussels sprouts uh i'm i'm not a big fan of putting bacon in stuff, but uh, I got to say, the time that I had it, it was it was pretty tasty. So uh, there's a couple of ideas. People want to get more info, uh, Dustin. What's the best way to do that? You know, everything you can find for us is at Weber.com. We have everything from from recipes to information on products, and you know, some YouTube links on some how-to videos, and and really anything you're looking to do from from a cooking standpoint, grilling, Weber-based. You know, Weber.com. Good deal. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day today.